0: What's doing, everybody? Today is Saturday, February 24th. The Alec Lace Show is live down in Washington, D.C. at CPAC. And I am bringing you all of my interviews right now. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show.
1: The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lake Show. The future is family.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the broadcast live here on Rumble, please get down there, hit the share button. Got a big program for you guys today. Don't forget to hit the like button, leave a comment down below, and we are loaded with guests to bring you guys today. Now, I did record a few interviews yesterday here at CPAC so I'm going to hit you with those first and then we're going to roll into today's I got guests lined up one after the other so we're going to do kind of a rapid fire here so first you're going to hear my interviews with Dr. Etan Haim, Michael Knowles and Father Frank Pavone so I'm going to play those three interviews for you back to back and then I'll be back and we are going to break down all the guests that I got including Cash Patel, uh, Terry Schilling uh, and many others so stay tuned for that right now here comes the first interviews live from CPAC. All right, Alec Lay is live here at CPAC. Dr. Aton Haim, welcome to The Alec Lay Show.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you for having me. All
0: right, listen, what has been your message right here? I know you just got done. I think you were on the stage here. What's been your
2: message that you're bringing to CPAC this year? I, I would say my message is that the average person has to be willing to stand up and sacrifice something meaningful in order to fight against these ideologies that are destroying our country. I mean, for me, I'm just a regular general surgeon. I work in a really small town outside Dallas, but when I was at Texas Children's Hospital, I saw that they were lying about the existence of their transgender program. I knew I had to do something about it. So I spent months trying to find a journalist who was willing to take the story. I finally got hold of Christopher Ruffo. The story came out, and what we had exposed was voted to become illegal within 24 hours. But a month later, on the day of my graduation, one of the most important days of my life, two federal agents came to my door you know a few hours before the ceremony to say I was under criminal investigation for blowing the whistle and in the few months after we saw the degree of corruption in the Department of Justice and after experiencing that I knew I had no choice but to speak out because if we don't do something to fight against this now what kind of world are we delivering our children into
0: So you know what, doctor, like right now, not only is it that there's doctors that are willing to do this to children, that it's happening, that it's illegal, but they're willing to cover it up and go after the people that are trying to expose it. And it just seems like, you know, who would have thought we get to the point in our life here where we see young kids being given puberty blockers to prevent them from hitting puberty. And we're seeing what they call, uh, what do they call it? Um, Gender affirming care, which is yeah. really castration, mutilation. It's a euphemism. Yeah. It's a euphemism. So what is the steps now? What, what, is, the, what is the path forward so we can, I know Michael Knowles got nailed for this lesson, but eradicate this from yeah. our society? What is, the, what is the path?
2: So the first thing is people have to be willing to speak out against it and say, this is wrong this should never happen, that there are two sexes and a million different personalities. But there is no such thing as transgender child. People have to be willing to say that. But also, there has to be accountability for the people who have abused their authority. So these doctors who have mutilated children, there has to be accountability for them, right? Either losing their license or criminal penalties.
0: They should be locked up. I mean, no doubt about it. 100%. Yeah, and and, and the other part of this too is that uh, you know you're seeing the support of this from the left, whereas if you speak out of it, they they shout you down as a transphobic person. Now you mentioned too, there's no such thing as a trans person. Now I, I did an interview with a Navy SEAL, uh, um, Chris Beck, who transitioned to Kristen Beck. And the, the left fell in love with him. They put him up on a, a documentary the whole bit. And then he transitioned back and said, you know, he was I wasn't didn't become a girl. I was a, a man in a girl's clothing. Like, I, I was pretending to be a girl. And now he's speaking out against this stuff, which he calls some children gender dysphoria. What's your take on gender dysphoria? Is this a thing that should be addressed and doesn't need to be addressed with any kind of, uh, you know, permanent damage to the child?
2: Well, gender dysphoria, it's a problem of the mind, right? It's this... Persistent belief, this persistent discomfort, that uh, an individual was born in the wrong body, but we know from history, from medical history, that you don't treat a problem of the mind with a solution of the body. And it's not too long ago that people were doing lobotomies on people, right? right? Where, and you know, people forget that it got a Nobel Prize in 1949, but it doesn't stop there, right? It's like mental, severe mental illness had always been tried. And to to be managed with, like, uh, physical solutions, but it always fails, right? So what do we do about these people? Well, you have to tell them that, you know, we love them, that they're perfect the way they are, that these are issues that can be overcome, and that they have to learn to love the reality that they were given, that there's no possible way to change it. Because just imagine, like, telling some kid that you have to deny who you were born as, that who you were born as was a mistake. And they have to live this life for the rest of their life, and they have to become dependent on medications and surgery in order to perpetuate it. And I couldn't imagine anything worse to tell a child to put them at risk of, of suicide which is what they say they're trying to prevent. And, and you know what, Dr. Too the, the bad part of this is that when, when the
0: other side comes through and the child realizes, grows up, oh, I'm never going to have children. Oh, I've mutilated myself and I've destroyed my life. No one's there to pick up the pieces for these children. No, nobody's there to pick up and, and say, oh, oh you, now I got your back. Now that you realize you made this mistake, they don't want to hear you. That's what happened
2: to that Navy SEAL. They dropped like a wet towel. I mean, imagine that where you have a kid who's having these severe mental problems and they're told that if you accept this something that's not true that all your problems will be solved you take these medications take these surgeries and then months or years down the road they wake up one day and they realize like oh my god like i can't have children like one of the most meaning probably the most meaningful thing you could do in life is to have a family and that opportunity is gone but the people who took that opportunity away from them were the people who were supposed to love them and the, the darkness of that realization is something that I cannot even fathom. And we wonder why the suicide rate is approaching 50% in this population. It's a rhetorical question. We know why. Because that's what they're putting these children into, is a state of either accept some, something that's not true or kill yourself.
0: And, and you know, here's the other part that's. I just did recently an interview with a, a father from um, a Buffalo, in up in New York. That This has become an issue between parenting rights because you have divorces that are taking place and child custody when you have this guy's ex-wife wanted to transition this kid, start him on puberty blockers. He was against it. The court ruled with the mother and said he had no medical authority whatsoever over his own child, then took it to the Supreme Court and lost. So it's like, I don't understand, like, you, your you're hamstring... It seems like it's mostly the father's, but it could be either way around. And so you have one parent that's saying, I don't want this to happen to my child, and the other parent that's basically... Uh, brainwashing the kid into believing that is the opposite sex. I mean, what, what, what is that parent supposed yeah. to do here? Well, I, I think
2: that you use the words parental rights, that this is an issue of parental rights and I wouldn't disagree with that because, say, you know, on, on a couple days ago I had clinic. If someone comes in and says, you know what, I, I have this mental issue where I believe I was disabled, right? I, I believe I should not have an arm and I take that person for surgery and chop off their arm I would lose my license, probably go to jail. The same applies for kids. Doctors have no rights, no, no right to mutilate children, and this is exactly what is happening. So it's not a matter of parental rights. It's a matter of child abuse. No parent has the right to do that to their children. So this is something that should never be done, no matter who has custody of that child. Yeah, it, it, This is a sick thing that they're doing. These are
0: some sick bastards that are out there in our society. And thank God for people like you that are speaking up, that have come out, shine the light on this, and we need more. Where do the people go to follow more about you and what's coming up for you and yeah. what's next? You hear a seat back. What do you got planned? Well,
2: you know, it's important for people to understand that if you find yourself in a situation like this, it's people think the other side's going to be this dark world where you're going to be miserable, and, and you do have to make significant sacrifices, but... When you do speak the truth, you stand up for what's right. It's the first time that you can live with with dignity, you can live in truth. But you also realize you're doing something to create a better world for your children. But also that our case has, has no meaning if it's only defense. We're taking offensive measures against those who have abused their authority and gone after me as a whistleblower. So we're raising money in a legal fund, not only for defense, but for offense. So if people are interested in donating, uh, they can go to GiveSendGo.com forward slash Texas underscore whistleblower. Um, they can also find me on Twitter. It's uh Eitan Heim, but, you you know, it's, you spell it a little bit differently. It's E-I-T-H-A-N-H-A-I-M. Well, I'm
0: going to put the link to that. I'm glad
2: you're using GiveSendGo, by the way. That's oh, a, yeah, that, of that's course. The way, yeah. So people are <laughs> still
0: trying to use the other one, and I don't agree with I, I don't even know why people would use the other one. Yeah, because what I you mean. saw happen to the Canadian yep. truckers. Yep. Yeah, and and, and again, I'm going to put those links in the description down below. Uh, Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time on The Alec Lay Show. Of course. course. All right, right back, live from CPAC here in just a second.
1: You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family.
0: All right, live here at CPAC with first-class father, multiple-time guest, Michael Knowles. Welcome to The Alec Lay Show now.
3: Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Always a pleasure to be a multiple-time guest. And... A multiple-time father. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are—you're
0: you're getting better at this, I would imagine, by now. Right? I know you were struggling with some of the diaper changes early on, but have we mastered that or what?
3: Uh, it's a work in progress. It remains, and uh, but I—I'm now not totally opposed to it. If my wife begs and pleads, I—I can change a diaper. Uh, and so the la- first time we spoke, I had one. Second time we spoke, I think I had two. This time, two and a half. Well, the number three is on the way. Wow. The, when is it? When, when uh, do we know what it is yet or no? We don't know. Are we going to let it choose? or two boys. Yeah, I guess we'll find out in 20 years. <laughs> uh, the We don't know. We're going to wait to find out. Obviously, we could know by now, but okay. we're going to wait. Um, we've got the two boys. I don't. I, in a way, I'm kind of hoping for a girl in that I need someone to take care of me when I'm old, you know, and the boys, they're not, they're not always great on that. Well, uh, but either way, it'd be kind of fun to have three boys, too, though. Yeah, but, well, you're right where I was because we were in that position. We waited to find out what our
0: third. The only one we waited to find, and it was another boy, and then we went for four, and we got the girl on four. So otherwise, okay. we'd be going on five, but we got four, and she was there. And that was the name you of that, And Now
3: you're taken care of. That's, That's right. it.
0: All right, listen, on a serious note here, obviously, uh, last year you spoke at, I believe it was CPAC, it might have been Turning Point, where you uh, talked about eradicating this transgender was it CPAC? That you did that? C- it was yeah, CPAC, right? So, yeah. what's the message you're bringing here this year? What's the main focus that you had for the, for the audience here know. at who, CPAC?
3: Who should we eradicate this year? I don't know, I haven't decided yet. It was funny, because after that speech last year, I thought it was pretty clear, I said, you know, for the good of society, and especially for the good of these poor people who've gotten confused. Uh, transgenderism should be eradicated from public life entirely, the, the whole ideology at every level. And all these uh, journalists, they accused me of genocide. I've never considered myself very genocidal, but I, I guess they thought I was. So uh, luckily they did not succeed in eradicating me from public life. And uh, this year I, I will be touching a little bit on that controversy, which, which went so wild. Uh, but we're going to go a little, little bit further with it, because I think what that whole episode showed was that we were facing a national identity crisis We don't know who we are. We don't know who we are because we don't have borders. We don't know who we are because we don't remember what marriage is. We don't know who we are because we don't remember what we were founded on. And ultimately we don't know who we are because we no longer ground our identity in God. And, you know, God tells Moses at the burning bush, I am that I am. God is being itself. And so a a nation such as ours, until very recently, that grounds its identity in God, in I am, is going to know who it is. And a nation that does not do that, as a wise priest once told me, is going to be left with a very pathetic question, which is, who am I? They're going to they're going to go flitting about like a teenager, you know, trying on different personalities every six months. And uh, so uh, the, the focus will be that, and how, how we can restore that identity that that once made us so great a nation.
0: Listen, you know, I, I did first-class fatherhood. I still run it. I've been doing that five years. Over the summer, I pivoted to get into the political issues that are facing parents because right now, parents are under attack in this country. Parental rights are under attack. Uh, and so it's all of these things. And, and you talk about God. it's uh, God's being removed from our society. The Heavenly Father's out of our society. The Father is out of the home, and we have law off the street. So the way I see it, we have a fatherless, a godless, and a lawless society. And those three
3: things, that trifecta is crippling this country. Right, and of course it's related, too, is the other issue. You know, marriage is the symbol of Christ's love for his church. And, and so if you don't understand the symbol, you're going to have a trouble understanding what is being symbolized. And, and you see this all the way down. You mentioned crime. We're told now that in order to be a free people, we need to be allowed to shoot up fentanyl on the streets of San Francisco. And they, they really seem to believe that's freedom. It's a certain kind of freedom, but it's the freedom of the drug Act. It's the freedom to follow your lowest irrational appetites, it's the it's the freedom to destroy yourself. That's not the freedom that our country was founded on. It's not the, the kind of freedom that will allow you to flourish, you know, because in this world everything has a cost, everything has a trade-off. If you're going to give men the freedom to go into the women's bathroom, well then the women are going to lose their freedom to have their own bathroom. If you give the drug addict the freedom to shoot up on the sidewalk, you're going to take away the freedom of the citizen to be able to walk the, the sidewalks in safety and in peace. Uh, so the, the question is, what kind of freedom are we going to have and and it's going to get to our wills you know we all have a lower will which says i want to eat the fifth cookie out of the cookie jar we have a rational will that says oh, actually you're going to have a stomach ache and you're going to get fat don't eat the fifth cookie and the rational will traditionally was understood to mediate between the lower will and the divine will. Uh, so which will are we going to follow Which kind of freedom are we gonna have? What kind of country are we gonna be? And I think that changes for people as they get married, as they have
0: children. I think they start to realize and wake up to a lot of these issues that hits people and now people are getting married later in life, having kids later in life. So it takes them later to realize, oh, wait a second. I don't want a grown man in the bathroom with my daughter. I don't want my daughter competing against a man on her sports team. So I think sometimes that may be the delay that we're having is because now this generation is being told, don't worry about marriage, don't worry about kids. Go for the material, go for the job, go for the money. And they're putting off these things that are gonna bring them the greatest value, the greatest fulfillment that they're ever going to face or have in this lifetime.
3: The problem is that they're they're falling into the same errors that the left has fallen into. I mean, you see this with the the movement, uh, I guess, on the right, kind of, the red pill movement, which says, uh, why do men need to get married? And they're they're making some real observations, which is the family courts are really stacked against men. Men are completely uh, denigrated by society and by law. And uh, so what these guys conclude is, well, forget about it. Who needs it? You know, I'll just go and buy a Lamborghini with the money I would have spent on my kids. But, you know, there's more to life than Lamborghinis. There's more to life than money. It's the same materialist arguments. The the reason to get married is because it's a good thing to do. The the reason to get married is because you're a man and you know know a person, you know anything, by its purpose, by its telos. You know, the purpose of the microphone is to take our voices and broadcast them. I guess you could do other things with a microphone, but that's not really what it's for. And so we can know these things rationally, and, and we, we know what marriage is for, you know? We know what family is for. We know that marriage is the bedrock political institution. It's the, it's the smallest unit of politics. So if you screw up the, the family, uh, you're, gonna, you're gonna blow up the whole society. And, and if, if the family is, is now just gonna be seen as another material kind of uh, transaction, well, then your society is going to become materialistic, and it's going to become transactional. You know, a people is known by what it worships. That's what culture comes from. It comes from a cult. cult. And, and so if the culture worships money, it's going to be materialistic. culture worships sex, meaningless sex, it's going to be uh, licentious. If a culture worships God, it's going to be godly, and there's going to, going to be good fruit hasn't this been successful though, Michael, on their end? Like you have, if you
0: ask like a lot of the women, do you need a man in your life? The answer will be no, especially the young girls. They say, no, I don't need a man in my life. Some of the guys saying, no, I don't need marriage and kids because look at the courts. They're stacked against me. Now they're taking away men from women. They're taking away parents from the children. It seems like what they've been trying to do has worked. It's been successful because the nuclear family unit's been destroyed in this country and there's no path back to greatness without restoring the foundation of the family. So if we can't get that, none of this other stuff here we're doing at Seatback is going to make a difference if we can't Restore a family
3: right the, the problem i think that a lot of people face is what ronald reagan said that the, the the issue for liberals is not that they were ignorant it's that they know so much that isn't so and so uh, a lot of young men they will hear there's a 50 percent divorce rate in america half of marriages end in divorce which is sort of true you know it's sort of true but the, the devil's in the details there because i'm a, a mackerel snapping papist myself a catholic if you look at Catholics, the divorce rate is significantly lower. It's ten points or more lower than the national average. Why is that? Because the Catholic Church doesn't permit divorce. Now, if you look specifically at Catholics who go to, you know, the traditional Latin Mass, who are kind of a little more old school about the religion, attend weekly, attend weekly, the, the, the divorce rate drops to basically nothing. So, you say, okay, look, I'd love it if everyone became Catholic. That's not even what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. Each marriage is different and each culture is different. And so if you behave in the liberal modern culture and you treat marriage in that way where you're having casual hookups and, you know, the wife pays for the bill at dinner and you don't hold the door, and you, then, yeah, you can expect to have a higher risk that you're going to get divorced. And But if you live the whole rest of your life in such a way that divorce is unthinkable, that, that you deny the sacramental reality of divorce, as I do, I'm not saying bad things can't happen, it's a fallen world, but your odds of that are going to be so much lower. So rather than just whine and complain about all the political problems, yes, we've got to fix those and we should fix those, but there are things that you can do in every part of your life to uh, greatly reduce the risk that your marriage falls apart. And if you have a happy marriage, if you have a big, nice big family, that, that is going to make up so much of your life, the other stuff doesn't really matter.
0: Yeah, speaking of that, yesterday, my 19th year anniversary, I married 19 years, four kids. You're doing your part to help populate the planet yourself. Yeah, uh, but this is what we need more of, the messaging we need to have more of. And just it seems like, like I said, it's the main focal point of what's going to happen. I don't know from a political standpoint. And this, I'll, I'll, I know I'm running up against it here. I'll leave you with this and ask your question. What do you do from a political standpoint to try to, to fix or solve this issue with what's happening with marriage, what's happening with uh, the family unit breaking down? What could be done from a political standpoint to try to... Heal this and maybe move forward and maybe something with the family court system i don't know what's your take on
3: how we can fix it it's very very simple actually it's not easy necessarily but it's simple Uh, we have a a declining population we're we're literally dying because people aren't having enough kids to replace ourselves this is true throughout the west only one nation in the west has done anything to fix that problem The, the nation is hungary they're still below replacement but they've turned the trend around how did they do it they said that after you have three kids you don't have to pay taxes anymore. Simple enough, I don't know, how about that? Uh, in this country, for some decades now, we have no-fault divorce. No-fault divorce is a relatively recent phenomenon. It's a contradiction in terms. There's no such thing as a divorce without fault. You made a vow before God and before your community, and one or both of you wanted to break it, Well, one or both of you is at fault. If you got rid of no-fault divorce, if you stopped incentivizing divorce, you don't even touch the rest of divorce. You just said, like, that one crazy new thing. That would plummet the the divorce rates way down. If you uh, stopped propagandizing contraception and abortion, and all this other crazy stuff that the libs have pushed on us in schools, in the media, in Hollywood, if you just actually restricted that a little bit more, I'm not even saying ban it entirely, I'm just saying restricted that a little bit more. uh, All of that together would add up to create a culture, and the culture would be one of family and life, rather than a culture that we have now, which is a culture of loneliness and death. Wow.
0: Very well said, Michael. Last thing, hit them. I've done this with you a few times before. I always love to end it with you like this. What kind of advice do you have for the new dad, the new parent out there, maybe the newlywed couple out there that's just starting out their journey? What's your message to them? Enjoy it,
3: first of all, and don't forget to enjoy it. Uh, Know that you just won't sleep anymore, and that's fine. That's okay. And my other advice, this is going to be controversial. Gender roles are a good thing. Now, it doesn't mean, uh, look, I'll change a diaper every now and again, I'll cook a meal every now and again, I'm, but I, and my wife, she'll own the libs every now and again or whatever my job is. She'll, we do, but having reasonable expectations of what the other person is going to do, and then breaking those expectations every now and again, you know, out of love for your spouse, that can be very, very helpful. When the baby is crying, screaming, especially a little Italian boy like mine, he doesn't want Dada, he, want, he wants Mama. Nine out of ten times. And so Mama's going to be there for that. And maybe is going to go do something else. And when you're working together then, rather than trying to pretend Mama and Dada are exactly the same, when you're, when you're doing your, your respective strengths, you're, you're both more, much more likely to
0: flourish. Yeah, well, well said. I love the message. Do me a favor. If you see the staff guy walking around here, let him know that they're out of tampons in the men's room, all right? got to fill them up. Michael Knowles, always a pleasure and an honor. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time on The Alec Lay Show.
3: Thanks for having me. Yeah, all right. Well, that's great. <laughs> You're listening to
1: the Alec Lee show. The future is family.
0: Uh, Alec Lay's live here at CPAC with Father Frank Pavone. I've had you on First Class Fatherhood. Now we're yes. here, CPAC, talking about the— I, I basically focus a lot more now on the po- politics, the political issues that are facing parents in America. One of the biggest political issues that seems to be the conservative saying is a no-no is let's stay away from the abortion topic. Let's stay away from the pro-life movement a little bit. Let's not be so heavy on that. And we're seeing that pro-life candidates are unelectable, we're hearing. Yet we had President Trump, who was the most pro-life president we've ever had in history, and he got elected and had 74 million people vote for him the last time. So what's your message to the people in the party that say we should go a little softer on this pro-life movement?
4: Well, I've been dealing with the abortion issue and its intersection with politics for the last 30 years full time. And I can tell them it's not a losing issue if you present it the right way. Now, we just finished, we priests for life, just finished a national poll with the McLaughlin uh, group. And we probed this question. We found that by a margin of 61 to 24, voters said that they would prefer over a candidate that says abortion without limits, which is the Democrat position, would prefer a candidate who said, I'm pro-life, some exceptions, but I'm working to help help moms who are carrying these babies, to be able to get through that pregnancy and raise that baby, because uh, there's, there's a lot of things we can do for them in the legislation and public policy. So that's significant because even people who identify as Democrats, as pro-choice, are still willing to vote for pro-life candidates. And that's a very important finding of that poll, which also confirms other polling that says, look, if we say, if we show that we're compassionate, if we show that we're serving women, as well as saving the babies, this can be a very winning issue.
0: Yeah, and I pray that we can, you know, somehow find, you know, we can we see, like, common ground? Can we find some common ground here and there? With the pro-life movement, it almost seems like there has to be uh, a certain level where you're able to say, no, we're not giving in. It's almost like with the gun debate, in a sense, where they say, you start giving a little bit, you start giving a little bit, and then all of a sudden they want to take the whole yard, they take the whole guns away. I feel like that's kind of the same with the pro-life movement, I think. We'll give them this amount of months, or we'll give them this condition, and then before you know it, the whole thing is gone. I mean, th- that's what it
4: seems like. Well, and the, and the Democrat position, the Planned Parenthood position, they do not want the least exception or limitation. Right, they're all the way to abortion. the end. All the way to the end. And the American people have never been there. They've never taken that position. The other thing the other side doesn't do is to describe what they defend. And this is my challenge to, they say, oh, we want to bring the abortion issue front and center. You know, some folks on our side, they're shying away from it. But what we've got to do is push right back at them and say, you want to talk about abortion. That's fine with us. But when we talk about it, we're going to talk about abortion. We're not going to pretend to talk about abortion and then talk about everything but. They want to put it in terms of women's rights, women's health, a Constitution, freedom. We believe in all those things. But why can't you address what an abortion actually is? And, and I challenge them, define it. Describe it. Read it read about it from the medical textbook. It's dismemberment. It's decapitation. Even the medical textbooks use those words to describe it. The pro-abortion politicians, they'll never describe it. And I think we can make headway here with the voters to say, why are they trying to sell you something that they're they're ashamed to even show you what it looks like? And, and this is where, it's again, it's a winning issue for us to come against that, that level of denial, uh, hypocrisy, and also extremism. What was interesting, too,
0: uh, Father, when I put a, a post up on Twitter or X now that we call it, I, yeah. I put a picture of a, an abortion, an aborted baby...
4: God bless you for doing that.
0: And yes. what happened was they pulled it down. Right. And they said, this is a graphic image. Uh-huh. Now, I said, isn't this interesting? And I put uh, I, I quote tweeted the, uh, the the message that they sent me. Right. And I said, isn't it interesting? Would they do this if this was just a clump of cells? Yeah. Would they not me allow me to show a clump of cells here on Twitter? Why are they doing this if it's not
4: a human That's being? That's right. You are hitting right to the core of what has to happen here. We have to have an honest debate about abortion in this country. Why can't we look at what it is? If it's such a good thing, why don't we see it? You, you look at these, these programs on TV like, like Grey's Anatomy, right? They show all kinds of surgery. I mean, you see the heart surgery. You see the intestines. Well, they show an abortion. Why don't you show an abortion? They would never will. Uh, and I've always said, I'm often quoted as saying, America will not reject abortion until America sees abortion. We even have a special website called Look at Abortion, right, lookatabortion.org. And we challenge people, you think you have an opinion on this? Okay, we can respect your opinion, but look at it. And then come back and talk.
0: I'll tell you where that's right down the street from, too, is the transgender issue that we're facing here. Yes. When you actually see what is happening to the genitals of these children, what yes. is, or, or, or not even these children, of these adults that do this stuff. When you see these images that they're showing, uh, it, it
4: is barbaric. They're butchering these that's bodies. It. And if you see, you're like, wait a minute, that's what they're doing? You see, that's a basic human, uh, that's, that's addressing the issue on a human level. We can't be addressing these issues just in the abstract. It doesn't work. People can justify anything with words. You know, you multiply words and you can get away with anything. we got to get down to that human, physical level, show these people what this mutilation is, show them who this baby is, show them what an abortion is. And, you know, when you bring up the transgender, a point I've been making all, all over the place, I might have even mentioned it to you the last time we talked, is that why is it today that we cannot say a man is a man or a woman is a woman? Maybe it's because for 50 years we've been saying a baby's not a baby. It's a denial of basic reality that's written into our bodies. Uh, and, and, and if you start denying all that stuff, anything goes. You end up in chaos,
0: and for so many of us, like it just like I say for myself included, uh, it just we want to like kind of live our lives, right? I'm yeah. married. I have four yeah. kids. I go to work. We raise right. my kids play sports, or so we're into activities. We want to go on a family vacation. We want to uh, you know do something in the summertime, and and just have our kids go to school and stuff. And now all of a sudden we're being hammered as parents with all this stuff that is being forced down our kids' throats at an early age. Of yeah, men can be uh, girls, boys can have babies, and they're sending all these mixed signals and. They're doing Doing it on purpose to confuse the minds of these kids through uh, we know through the school system, but also through the basic shows that they watch, with the movies that are coming out, the books that they're reading, and they're getting to the minds of our kids. And you've got parents in this country that are so. They're working multiple, especially now during the Biden administration. You got to work two jobs apiece even to put food on the table anymore. So the parents are busy, busy, busy. Meanwhile, the kids watching
4: something on the iPad and they're indoctrinating them with all this nonsense. Well, you know what, what, what voters have to realize in this election is that this is not something happening just in one place or because of one person or because, you know, oh, this is an outlier over here. This is a systematic attack on the family, on the rights of parents, on the dignity of life. And that systematic attack is fully engaged by the Democrat party. So when we go into this election, it's not even about, you know, who's this candidate? It's certainly not about, do I like this candidate? Nothing to do with that. It's about what are we, what kind of nation are we going to leave our children and our grandchildren? What is it going to be? Because if they don't have, you know, President Trump always talks about being a common sense candidate. He says, look, you know, it's not so much conservative or it's common sense. And isn't this a matter of common sense? A man is a man, a woman is a woman, a child, we need to let them be children and respect their rights and protect them as children. If our political leaders don't have the common sense to respect children in this way and to to have the understanding about gender that, hey, it's a man and a woman, period, well then how can we expect them to have common sense in much more complicated matters of governing our country? We have got to reject this Democrat Party full force, because this is what they're coming after us with. And, and and it does. it's not an accident. It's part of this overall plan to destroy the family and the faith.
0: Yeah, and they've removed so much of God from our society. So well, I was just talking to Michael Knowles about this, and he was saying that the divorce rate in this country right through the ceiling, 60% or 50%, whatever, over 50% at least. And when you look at the Catholic Church, it's dramatically lower. And for those that attend mass on a weekly level, it's much less than that. It's hardly anything at all. It's like 3%. Right. So it, it shows that there's an importance. Now, I, I, this week, I'm celebrating my 19-year wedding anniversary. Uh, I, I, now, this hasn't been something that came easily. There's right. work that's got to be put into these things. But it seems like so many, especially the young couples in this country, the first sign of any type of turbulence or trouble, they're ready to run. and they're Because they see so many people get divorced. It looks so simple. It's like, well, if this doesn't work out, I can escape it. And I think you were sending the wrong message to the young couples in the country.
4: Well, what the young couples need is is, is example, testimony. They need to see a living demonstration of the joy that comes from giving yourself away to your, to your spouse, to your children. People who are living that family life, they're all around us. We all try to live this way. And, you know, it's not just a matter of giving the right teaching i mean they have to hear the right preaching in church they got to receive the right teaching in in school they got to get the right example from their own parents but to see and the more we can do to promote these examples of folks that that are living out marriage and family the way god intended it and that have so much joy in doing that that our young people look at them and say i want i want that I, i i'm attracted to that how do i get that And this is what is going to then lead to a a change in the culture.
0: Yeah, when we can switch that mindset from the house, the job, the money, the cars, to the wife, the children, the life, you know? That's
4: right. That's what counts. And and a life lived, furthermore, in God, you know, and realizing that this is not, like you said, there's challenges. It's hard. But this is not something we do on our own strength. You know, when I I was doing parish work before I started my full-time pro-life work, I loved doing weddings as a priest. And... I would say to the couple, listen, the two of you are making vows today. You're not the only ones making vows. God is making a vow to you that every single day of your life, the grace, the strength of His Spirit to be faithful to the promises you're making today is going to be right there for you. Reach out and take it from Him. Because it's going to be there. That's the promise he's making you today, and, and and that's how we navigate all of this as well. You know, we know the challenges, but we know there's a God who's going to help us live it out.
0: Amen. All right. So you're here at CPAC. Are you yeah. speaking at CPAC? And Not this year. Not this year. Not okay. This year. Well, what has been your common message that you're 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 giving to the people here that you're coming across here? There's a lot of patriots, a lot of young people here. Absolutely. What's been your message
4: to the you know, people at CPAC? It's been very much the, what we started with in our discussion today. Don't be afraid of the abortion issue. It's a winning issue. It's the most fundamental issue. Life is the most fundamental right and even if I mean obviously we know voters by and large are more concerned about you know immigration economy the border and all that fine that's 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 those are important issues but when it comes to this issue don't run away from it be strong and we're, and we're, you know, our ministry provides all the resources people need to deal with this issue, whether individually or even in a campaign. And so I'm here and, and, and having a great time, as always, sharing with our contacts here uh, that encouragement and the help of our team at Priests for Life for them to carry forward this message. Well, the,
0: nobody fights for life the way you and Priests for Life do. It's always an honor to have well, you here, you. Uh, 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 Father Frank Pafone, thank, uh, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time all on right. the Allegation. Thanks Show. for
4: what you do, too. Okay. Thank you.
0: All right, guys, those were yesterday's interviews here at CPAC. And now today, broadcasting live from D.C. I'm going to bring on Cash Patel. You guys know him from the Alec Lay Show. He's been a guest on here a couple of times before. He's going to lead us off. Then you're going to hear from Terry Schilling. Eduardo Vestigu. You know him for creating The Sound of, the sound of Freedom. Now he's got a new movie coming out. Uh, Cabrini, which is another one I think that's going to be a blockbuster success. Then we're going to have Chaplain Steve Lee, who has been indicted along with President Trump down in Georgia. One of the guys that had his the mugshot of the famous Donald Trump. He's got one of those himself. Then we're going to have Ivan Rake the former Green Beret, who is very outspoken. Uh, He's a very fired up guy. We're going to have him on. Also, we're going to have Jason Yates, Congresswoman Kat Kamak, who you guys have heard here on the Alec Lay Show. She's going to stop by the booth. Uh, Then we got Carl Higby from Newsmax, former Navy SEAL. I've been on his show, had him on First Class Fatherhood a couple of times. Love Carl. Then we're going to have, we're going to go from a SEAL to a a former Green Beret uh, in John Frankman. And then we're also going to have the president of brazil's son eduardo bolsonaro i know it's a little tongue twisted there but eduardo bolsonaro he will be joining me here as well so here come these interviews you're going to bang them out rapid fire one after the other here you go all right live here at cpac we got my man cash patel thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here uh, on the course. alec lay show all right you're here at cpac you're speaking you're doing it you just got off the steve bannon show what's been your message
5: to the people here at cpac today it's simple We've got the greatest leader in Donald Trump that we're ever going to have. And as powerful and as strong and as amazing as his movement is, we've got to get behind him. All in. With not 50%, not like three days a week, seven days a week, 365, because he's doing it for us. And then you just got to figure out which part of the movement you want to join. You know what the scary part is, Cash? I'm thinking
0: about this because I've been to quite a few of these CPACs, and it's like Donald Trump, for the most part, has been carrying these things, right, yeah. these CPACs. Now it's like this is his last chance here, and, we, and I know he said it before too, 2016 was our most important election. If we don't get this one, I don't know what's coming behind it, what CPAC will look like moving forward going into the future here, but if we didn't have Trump sitting here right now, how
5: scary would it be for this party here? Well, there is no CPAC or whatever you want to call it, whatever conservative movement, organization, group outfit... They all end. That's what they, the radical left, the establishment want. They want an end to what they have branded as Donald Trump's conservative movement. They want an end to it because he's going to end them. It's that much of an existential threat. He has upended the swamp after 50, 60, 70 years of absolute torrential corruption. And they know if he wins, they lose.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well said. But not right now, we just seen. Obviously, he lost the case in New York. Well, it was it was a given. We knew he lost it the minute the thing started. Now, this uh, Letitia James is talking about seizing his assets in New York, and it, but just to get him to have a chance to appeal. This is it's like it's wild what they're doing
5: to him, and this is just the beginning. He still got more of these trials to go. Well, the the only good thing about all of that is that nobody else could take it like Trump takes it, and then he's able to flip the script and show the people that this two-tier system of justice is not a right-wing conspiracy. It's a reality. They're coming after him. They're coming after your audience. They're coming after everyday Americans. Look what they did to him. And if we lose in November, then it's game on for every single other America First person that dared to care about their kids' education or the border or the economy or cared enough to put Donald Trump at the head of our movement. They're coming
0: for us. And, and like you said, if we can get him going, we still have the MAGA movement behind him in 2028. Uh, we we don't get it this time. We're in a lot of trouble. And I want to ask you this because you have your finger on the pulse here with the CCP and all the outside influences that hate this country. If you're, if the, w- what are the CCP? What what is China's looking at? What's happening here to Donald Trump? The way what's what's the, uh, they got to be
5: smiling ear to ear. What is the, what do you think is their thought process on what they're watching happening here in America? Look, that's a great point that almost no one's talking about. They're having a dance party in Beijing. Xi Jinping is literally never had it so good. We have a commander-in-chief who literally can't walk from here to there and say three words in a consecutive sentence, and he's too focused on lighting our money in fire in the Ukraine and sending more Americans to die in forever wars, and nobody's watching Xi Jinping, the South China Sea, and Taiwan, currency manipulation. And oh, by the way, you would just think that with all the people dying around the world, You would think if 100,000 American children under the age of 18 were killed by a narcotic substance poured in from the China Mainland Company, that is the CCP, Americans in this democracy would care. They don't, because the mainstream media knows that that's a win for Donald Trump, and it's a loss for Joe Biden, and they will jeopardize lives over our safety. And this is why it
0: seems like it's, it's a no brainer that there was something wrong with the last election because you look at these Democrat cities and they're filled with the fentanyl that like you're saying. They look like zombie apocalypse, crime, illegals are storming into these, and they're still voting Democrat. And it seems like there has to be enough Americans that are living in these cities that are saying, we don't want any more of this yet. Overwhelmingly, New York, this uh, Eric Adams, he won hands down. I know only 17% of the population came out to vote, which is a big problem. We got to get people out to vote. That's it. But, uh, you know, just to see the overwhelmingness, like hopefully Curtis Slewa comes back again and takes a chance. But these Democrat cities have been lost, Democrat parties, not just a few years, decades, 50, 60, 70 years. Detroit, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, they've been overwhelming
5: Democrat and they never produce any results. Why would the Democrat, these people keep voting them in? They buy them. And look, you hit it right on the head. This didn't happen overnight. This has been decades of degradation in the making, decades of payoff in the making. I mean, look what New York City Mayor Adams did. New York, my home. He just printed 53 million in credit cards for illegal immigrants. How about you give a homeless veteran 100 bucks or a place to stay for the week? How about you take care of the schools that are falling apart under your watch? How about New York City American citizens get taken care of first? And then we got money left over. Yeah, let's go. Let's help other people. But when I got 55,000 homeless veterans in this country, that's my priority, not the Ukraine. And these cities are buying votes, pouring in these illegal immigrants, giving them ID cards, giving them places to stay for one purpose so they can vote in the next election. That's what they're
0: doing. Yeah, and they're buying it. And, and just like you said, you're giving 10000 to illegal aliens. Joe Biden, yesterday now, he wants to give 12000 apiece to the delinquent uh, loan buyers, right? So they're going to get money for not paying their stool. The people in Lahaina got 700 bucks a household when they lost everything. So yeah. it's, so. and you say, homeless veterans on the street, all these people who need help, they're just stepping on them and giving it to the people that don't deserve it, especially these guys that are flooding the country. Now, Cash, if you're sitting on the other side of the border, and you're looking at what's happening, what would stop you from coming? Why would you not? You'd have to be an absolute idiot to not invade this country right now when you see what's You're getting cash, phones, a place to live, the meal of your choice. Why would you sit on the other side of the border and try to come in legally
5: when you're seeing everybody get all this stuff? They're not. Soros is paying for them to come in illegally. And they don't care. They're celebrating it. And you're right. It's It's not just the CCP traffickers. It's the drug cartels are partnering with the CCP, are partnering with the people who know that they can get into this country illegally and get housing and get food and get shelter and get voter ID. They know that and they're moving in the millions. That's one issue. What about the criminals and the terrorists that are now coming in? You talked about why are these people not talking? They're all joining forces, Iran, the CCP, Russia, Al Qaeda's on the resurgence. They're all coming in, and Chris Ray's FBI just admitted to us that they lost 24 known terrorists in the last year. 24 known terrorists, they don't know where they are in the United States of America. But they know where your church is, and they know if you go out there and dare to speak for a pro-life position, the FBI is going to be on your butt, like white on rice. And that's what they're using the surveillance empire for. It's to further suffocate us. But here's the good news. I think Americans everywhere we go, including CPAC, are like, okay, these aren't right-wing conspiracies. I don't even know if I love Donald Trump or dislike Donald Trump. The point is, they love America like he does and they're back in his movement because we just can't
0: have this. Yeah, well said. And if if not for that, I think enough people are sick and tired of seeing the transgender stuff. Their daughters are sharing bathrooms with men. I think even if you're not a diehard uh, uh, liberal left-wing nut, I think you're looking at this and saying wait a minute, I don't want any more of this. So, all right, listen, let's switch it here. We got the the South Carolina primary here. Nikki Haley gets buried in this primary. Does she finally drop out or or do her handlers keep giving her money to attack the president which, let's face it, that's why she's here.
5: Well, that's just it. She's owned by these establishment class she's owned by the defense industrial complex and the swamp that's a big checkbook and i don't know if it's drying up anytime soon look trump is going to trounce her like he has in new hampshire um, in nevada in my home state and uh, iowa of course because people across the country are looking at this and saying this is the only president for america for America first, for our kids, for our education, for our veterans, for our military. This is the only guy that's gonna end the forever wars and stop the crime that is plaguing everyday communities. Nikki Haley, here's what I ask everybody, I'm like, does she have one better policy? Tell me, because if she did, that's I'm being sarcastic, but I'm being serious. If she did, we would hear about it. We wouldn't hear her personal attacks funded by the Paul Ryan wing of the former party known as the Republican Establishment. We would hear about her better policy to save the border. She doesn't have one. So it's all personal, and it's all money from Washington, and I don't know when she's going to end. The, the, the scariest thing is when they hear people float her name for vice
0: president. That's a scary thought to hear, but on that, I'll get you out of here now, but my pick for his secretary of state would be you if he <laughs> makes it into, into the president. But who's your pick? We hear the names are floating around. He, he mentioned a few of them on Fox News the other night. What's your pick? What do you think Trump goes with? Your personal what opinion, what do you think
5: he does? Here's, here's my take on all things Donald Trump and personnel. He, he doesn't need anybody's help. He's probably already decided. And I think it's great that the media and everybody are talking about it, but here's the other thing, my personal opinion. I don't think it matters who he picks. Everybody's voting for Donald Trump. Yes, it's important to have a good number two at the helm and help you steer the ship, but like the names they've tossed out, all great folks, and I'm sure you're going to hear, maybe there are tomorrow a few more names that we haven't heard. Um, but I think we got a ways to go because, what are we, in March, February? Yeah. You don't need to pick till August. But yeah. uh, the important thing, I think, is that it's all DJT. And whoever he picks we can trust can serve as a competent number two who won't hijack the administration. To me, that's the key. Not someone who's auditioning for the presidency for four years, but someone who's there to serve and then just get out. Great stuff. Love the message.
0: Always an honor. Thanks Cash Patel. Patel, thanks for a few minutes yeah. of your time.
1: Thank you. You're listening to The Alec Lake Show.
0: All right, live here at CPAC with my man Terry Schilling. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show,
6: dude. We, I we came on, I came on, I first met you, I think, a couple years ago, and love seeing your rise. And I mean, I'm seeing you on the news; it's awesome. I, I anytime I can hang out and talk with you.
0: Well, listen, the last time, last year, I interviewed, I was doing First Class Fatherhood. I made a pivot in the summer to the Alec Lay Show. I still do the First Class Fatherhood, but the reason why I switched was when Joe Biden made the statement and said, "We have to remember, there's no such thing as somebody else's kids. These are all our children." And I said. Man, this is the president of the United States peddling this Marxist BS line that the kids belong to the state, or the kids belong to the school system, the kids belong to the parents as a blessing from God. And I said, enough's enough, and that's why I launched this
7: program here.
6: No, no, look, look, their enemies, our, our progressive enemies, the people, the enemies of America, really. They hate God, they hate the family, and they hate America. Right? And that that you have to attack all three of those things in order to destroy a people and a nation. And you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that right now on the nightly news they're starting to say things like, if you believe that your rights come from God, that makes you a Christian nationalist. That's really interesting, because I I didn't really think our founding fathers were like wanting to establish a, an overtly Christian nation. I thought it was freedom of religion. But now that they're saying that, why, why are they demonizing that? Because they, they think that they are God. They want us to worship them and to never question them. And that is inherently anti-american. It is against every fiber in our DNA of who we are as Americans. So When you see that stuff, any attacks on God, on the family, on, on America, that is your enemy. And it's important to point that out. And they make it, you know,
0: people seem to have this idea that the government, like the amendments and the Bill of Rights, and the, it gives us our rights. And th- th- what that does is protect our rights that we have inherently, that we've been given from God. They seem to forget that part. It's, they're not giving us the right to bear arms. They're not giving us the right to speak. They're protecting our right that's God-given to do
6: those things. No, they're, they're, they're codifying it, right? They're putting it into the law. They're recognizing the laws of God and, and our and our nature and and how human beings can really thrive and prosper. And when nations go against that, the, 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 the rights and principles spelled out in the Declaration of Independence in our Constitution, things start to go really bad. Yeah. Right? And that's, that's abundantly clear. Look at every other nation. America has had a meteoric rise. But if we're not careful, it can have a meteoric fall. Yeah. And we need to avoid that. Yeah,
0: well, well said. And just before you came on here and we were talking, I was saying, because I got my son Logan here, uh, he's an altar boy. All three of my boys are altar boys. And for me, on, on a personal level, which is why my little guy is in here, he's serving with the bishop uh, today, so he wasn't able to come. But for me, to see my three sons serving Mass means a lot, because my mother passed away over 20 years ago, right? And she was the devout Catholic in our family and loved the fest. She was the one that made sure we went to church and the whole bit. And so I know what it would mean to her to see my kids up there serving mass, and that's really what hits for me. Uh, I know. Then you mentioned you got kids now that serve mass as well. Uh, what has that experience been like for you?
6: It's it, you know my my oldest son Bobby just turned nine this past summer, but he started serving mass, and it was it was an emotional experience, right? Because you're you know you have all these questions as a father about are you doing it right, or you know are they getting it wrong? But then you see him serving mass, and it's like okay, I'm getting some things right, not everything, but but some things, and I don't know. I I all I know is that. I, I will feel successful as a father if my kids have a love for their God and a passion for serving him, a love for their family and devotion to them and they'll sacrifice for them, and a love for their country. And an, not just a love for their country, but an understanding of who we are as Americans because it's it's incredibly it's incredibly special. It's unique. There's no other nation in the world that was founded on rights given to human beings by God and we're taking it for granted and that's that's my fear is we've lost we've lost sight and knowledge of what it means to be an American.
0: We have and you know just two weeks ago I was out at the Super Bowl doing interviews with all the players and the coaches for first class fatherhood about and I focused a lot more on faith and I'd always focus on it but a lot more this year and uh, Harrison Bucker was the kicker, He kicked the longest field goal in history outspoken yep. Catholic and we are and I asked him about this because we see a lot more players now, young players coming into the league professing their faith and I think whether you like the NFL or don't like it, don't watch it the platform is huge and to see young men coming in there and professing their faith is vitally important because we know young men in this country don't have many positive male models to look up to. So when we see guys come into the league like that professing their faith, I think it makes a big impact.
6: Yeah, and I just want to say, I, I think we, I see these black pill movements where they're telling people stop watching football, don't listen to people like Taylor Swift. Like, guys, we got to be realistic here. I mean, the, first of all, football is an incredible sport. It is is—it is guys at the top of their lives, at the top of their, their, their physique and their, their physical fitness doing everything that they know and love and and when you really dig into who these players are as human beings they do love the lord and they wouldn't be there if they did not right there's some guys that have fallen away or whatever but like they are disciplined they know who who's given them their their bodies and their power and their spirit and they they know it's god but i i'm a huge nfl fan i i, I love seeing these guys i just want to encourage more of it and, and what's beautiful is with all the guys, they, these aren't just like low-level, you know, tackles and defensive tackles and, and right guards and left guards. These are like quarterbacks coming out yep. and saying how much they love God. And so, uh, we need more of that. We need to encourage it. I love Harrison Bucker. My goodness, what a great role model example for all of us. Um, but now we, we, it's it's great to watch sports. There's nothing wrong with it. These are guys that love the Lord, and and we you shouldn't feel guilty about watching it.
0: Especially when you have sons, like my guys, they, they're, they're into the football, so what do you say? Oh no, we can't watch that because of uh, some kind of protest we're doing here, but obviously the the Colin Kaepernick kneeling put a huge dent in the NFL market. Everyone would like to quickly forget that that entire thing happened, but we do see uh, some of the players, like the, the the quarterback who won, Patrick Mahomes, first thing he did, I gotta give all the glory to God, and the press hates that. They even cut out that C.J. Stroud, when he was saying it, they cut that part out and then showed the rest of the, what he said, because it's like, for some reason, they can't just embrace this. I'll tell you what I do have a bone to pick with is when I am there, they advertise so much alcohol at the Super Bowl and during the NFL, not even whether you feel Bud Light or not, whatever. They advertise beer. And in my opinion, I think alcohol should be treated in the way tobacco products are when it comes to advertising because alcohol kills more people in this country every year than fentanyl, than heroin, than anything else. They're dying from alcohol, yet we continue to advertise it as if it's some great thing.
6: No, there's a lot of things that shouldn't be able to or should be more restricted with advertising. I mean, alcohol, the sports... Sports betting stuff. I mean, oh. I watch college football and NFL every season, every Saturday and Sunday. It drives my wife nuts. And the amount of gambling commercials that are on. I mean, they're really targeting. And, and the thing about this is, was one thing when you had to go to a casino or to a, a bookie to place your bet. The, the casino's in your pocket now, right on your right? phone. Right, and and they made like ten point nine billion dollars last year off of sports betting online. That that's got to be curbed back. Big pharma's got to be reined in. I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of problems with how we advertise and and what industries we allow to thrive here.
0: And for me, listen, I'm a recovering alcoholic, addict, gambler. So for me to be out in Vegas at the Super Bowl, surrounded by all those things, uh, for me, was just a, a testament to God's work through me. Like, I had no desire, I had no temptation, no nothing. And to see, you know, what I used to be a slave to operating all around me, but just looking at all the people who are just callously going through all this, Throwing money away, drinking themselves silly, the the illegal sex, the illegal drugs, it's amazing what's been embraced by our culture and it seems like it's hard to fight back against those things that are really dominating so much of our culture, especially the underworld of this country. And we need to shine more light on those and try to expose them and eradicate them from our society.
6: No, that's right. And I think it's important to understand that as Christians, God didn't make us to fit in. He made us to stand out. And what good is a light if it's covered by a basket? Right. The light is meant to shine in the darkness and, and light conquers darkness very quickly and um, it's good that you give credit to God because it is all his and you know, my father struggled with drug addiction and, and alcoholism and he wouldn't have gotten clean without the grace of God. Yeah. I mean it, it is really powerful stuff, people ruin their lives. You know, my, my parents almost got divorced after number four and because of his addiction being so bad, but because she was pregnant with number four And he didn't want to go through a divorce like his parents did. They went on and had, they repaired things. He got clean. They went on and had six more kids. I'm the oldest of 10 kids. Like, there are six more people plus all the grandkids that they've now had because my dad decided to be open to God changing his life. And I think that, if I could stress one thing, because it's not just people not understanding America, it's people not understanding Christianity, right? Mercy without justice is cruel and unusual punishment. And we have this vision and view of God that he's going to be merciful to everyone. That's true, but only if we ask him. Only if we accept that forgiveness and mercy and healing and we seek out his healing in our lives. But, you know, he's not going to... He's not going to thrust himself upon you. you got to ask him for it, and you got to seek it.
0: Yeah, amen. All right, you're here at CPAC now speaking. I know you spoke yesterday. Uh, What has been your message? You're here with the American Principles Project. What what are you guys working on? What's your message to the people here at CPAC? What's it been?
6: Well, we're the political action committee for the American family, right? We win campaigns and elections to empower parents to be able to protect their kids better. And so yesterday I was talking about the transgender issue and how half the states are banning these procedures for minors, and the other half are doing crazy stuff, taking away custody from parents who don't want to give their kids sex change procedures. There's going to be a reckoning, and it's got to be solved, I think, at the federal level, because most of these problems are coming from the federal government. But we're geared up. We're going to spend $30 million this election cycle to help elect President Trump and other pro-family advocates. I couldn't be more proud. We've grown exponentially over the past few years. and. It's all testament to all the good, faithful Americans that really want to save this country. Wow,
0: yeah, great stuff, Terry. Yeah, I'm going to check my watch like Biden at a military funeral here just to see uh, when my next one. But listen, uh, I've been asking people because it's all up in the air. Trump made a few suggestions the other night. Do you have an idea who you think Trump is going to pick for the VP selection in probably August when we finally... We'll be asking this question for six months now. Everyone's going to be debating, but who do you think in your heart he's going to pick? If I had to bet...
6: I w- huh. what, no
0: betting. We just said we're going to get rid of that's these gambling right, commercials. Right. If you had a suggest,
6: uh, I he's come out with some really good names. But I like Ben Car. I love Ben Carson. I love Tulsi Gabbard. I know that she used to be a Democrat, but politics changes people. Um, I like Safonic. I I don't know. I, I'm the typical eldest sibling, and that I, I see the faults and every and all my siblings, you know. But I also see all the goodness. So I. I The people he's listing out, I think we'd be really blessed to have any one of them for various reasons.
0: And and on the short list, on on the Vegas odds, they do have the top two picks. I think it's Vivek and then Ben Carson. So I think those are the two top running names.
6: And Vivek would be amazing. I mean, you, you, you have a guy that is a disruptor like him and really knows how to change the system. We would be really blessed to have
0: him. Also, last thing I want to ask you about is uh, uh, Joe Biden. Now, a lot of people have this suspicion that he ain't going to make it to the starting gate uh, for the election. They're going to swap him out for somebody else. If
6: that is the case, who do you think they bring in to pinch hit? If that's tough to predict. I don't know see how they get rid of Kamala Harris, although Joe Biden won that nomination fight without winning. A, I, I, I think it was like four or five states he lost right in a row, and then they decided just to give him the nomination. So... Democrats are a lot more robotic. They don't really think outside the box when it comes to this stuff. They, they just go along and listen to their party leaders. but. I think it's going to be uh, probably Gavin Newsom at this point, but it's it's really tough to predict this stuff. All
0: right, send this out of here now. A lot of young people down here at CPAC today. Uh, listen, you mentioned the divorce rate. Your, your parents almost got divorced. Divorce is high in this country, a lot less in the Catholic Church, by the way. Uh, but families are struggling. A lot of young guys, a lot of young girls don't want to enter into the bond of marriage, have children, start a family. A lot of them are afraid of that because of what they're seeing. What's your message to the young people here at CPAC about why they should invest in themselves
6: getting married, having children, starting that family? Well, guys, get married young, have babies young, and protect your kids, right? That's the most important thing. And when you go into a marriage... When you go into a marriage, you have to treat it just like your biological sex, just like the laws of God. You are now a partnership. You are now a family, and there's no breaking that apart. American culture has gone by the wayside because of all this no-fault divorce stuff, and it's actually led to more adultery, more abusive behavior. It's been a disaster. Get married to someone that will treat your marriage as a sacred institution that won't do anything to violate it, but will still stick with you through, through thick and thin. That's the most important thing. And do it young. Because you get married young, and that's all you know. You won't have a different life. You won't have to adjust that much when you eventually go to get married. Get married young. Have babies as quick as possible. Take as many as God gives you. Let him decide who lives and dies. And uh, and and protect that family with your life. Protect that culture that you're right, raising. Teach your kids right and wrong. Teach them to love their country. Teach them to love God. And um, teach them to have kids and, and take their family seriously.
0: Spoken like a first-class father. Terry <laughs> Schilling, honored to have you. Thanks for stopping by the God Alec bless Lay Show. bless you, brother.
6: You're listening to the Alec Lay Show. The future
1: is family.
0: All right, Alec Lays live here at CPAC with Eduardo Investigi. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time.
8: Thank you, thank you. Honor for me to be here with you.
0: All right, so you're here at CPAC. What's been your message to the people
8: here at CPAC this time around? Well, uh... There's many messages, but right now we want to focus on a very powerful, powerful message that has come from the movie Cabrini. Uh, I'm a filmmaker. We started our career almost 20 years ago. Uh, We created this production company with one mission, making movies that matters, movies that hopefully when the people see, see them, they will leave the theater wanting to love more, judge less, complain less, forgive more they will be inspired to become the heroes that this world needs. We started with Bella, then Little Boy, then Sound of Freedom, and now Cabrini. And Cabrini is coming out on March 8th. We showed the movie uh, last night. And uh, and it's a very important movie because it's a a true story. It's a movie that uh, you can bring your entire family. And the movie begins when the movie ends because I hope the audience will carried the legacy of Mother Cabrini, uh, a nun from Italy that came to the United States in the, uh, uh, you know, uh, 1890s, the, uh, how do you say that in English? the uh, 18, 18th, 18, century, 18, 18th century, 19th century. I'm not good know, on that myself. <laughs> I'm thinking Spanish right now while I'm talking in English. But um, anyway, she, she came when the, uh, when the first uh, immigrants from Italy uh, came to New York and they didn't speak English. And the kids, the children, the Italian children, literally rats were living better than them. And this Italian nun came to really help them and, uh, you know, to, so they can immerse themselves in the culture, learn English and become Americans. And it's a powerful story of a true feminism. Because you see right now the, the feminist movement out there, which is, I think, they're destroying the world. True feminism is to see a woman full of God. And that's what you see in Mother Cabrini. It's a woman full of God who wants to make this world a better place, who is using her talents to serve others, and that's why she become a hero, you know? And this, this movie is about that, and that's my message. I don't care if you're left, right, up and down. Come and see Cabrini, because I know that this movie will change your life. This movie will, you know, will inspire you to become like Mother Cabrini. And because, because we are all called to be heroes, just like in Sound of Freedom, you know? Um, you see Sound of Freedom and... And, and my hope with that movie is that you live wanting to be a freedom fighter after you see Sound of Freedom. Ambassador of Freedom, when, when you commit after seeing Sound of Freedom, I want to end child trafficking. You know, this is a global problem, especially U.S. and Mexico. U.S. number one consumer of child sex in the world. Mexico number one provider. Uh, this movie is about raising awareness so we can come together, help the children, save the children, end child trafficking together. Um, because that's the only way how we're going to end this is... If we were together, and 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 now we're back with Cabrini, uh, again March 8th coming out in the United States, March 21st in Mexico, and then in the whole world. And I believe this movie will change, will change your life when you bring your family. Will change the life of your family. It's a powerful, powerful story of a true hero.
0: And it's amazing what you're doing because you're basically like the anti-culture of what's actually the mainstream right now because we're seeing movies, we're seeing TV shows where it's men can give birth, men can have children. We're seeing these mixed messages that are destroying the minds of the children in this country and you have the family unit that's been broken down. I, I always say it like this, Eduardo, I think that we have a fatherless crisis in the country the, the family unit is broken down. We have a godless society, and we have law off the street. So we have a fatherless, godless, and lawless society right now. And that's what's crippling this country. So as we try to talk about these things that seat back political issues, if we don't get those three things locked
8: down and changed, I don't think we have any hope. And, and it's global. It's not only the United States. It's happening in Mexico and the whole world. Mexico is about to become... We have a. In Mexico, we have a communist president. And there's elections in Mexico this year, too. June 2nd, presidential elections. And if we don't do the right thing, Mexico this is very important. Mexico is about to become Cuba and Venezuela together on steroids. Can you imagine uh, what kind of a neighbor uh, you will have if all of a sudden Mexico becomes Cuba and Venezuela together on steroids? And, and if you wouldn't fight here, it's going to be the same thing here. So these elections are very important. Mexico and United States, because we don't want to have a communist uh, regime being the ones who are going to be governing us. Then we're, we're dead. We will, you know, for, for the next 40, 50 years, it's going to be very hard to come back, you know. So these elections are everything. This is, if, if we don't vote right with our values, with our, you know, uh, principles, you're not going to be uh, live
0: we see the change. We've seen the impact one election can have. We know Javier Milei is here, uh, whether he's here today or tomorrow. Uh, he's at CPAC. And what that guy did was upset the whole apple cart down there and change things almost instantly. So, uh, And we've seen the people flock around us and support what he's doing. And I think the heart and the pulse of most countries in, the, in this world want to see changes like that. We don't want to be controlled by these communist, exactly. Marxist people that have ruined our society. But it, I'll be honest with you, Eduardo, if we look over the past decade or so, they've been winning.
8: And we got to fight know. back and take it back. But you you said it right. You know, there is hope in Argentina. There is hope in Argentina with Milay. There is hope in El Salvador with Bukele, you know. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much it, you know. Ecuador with Novoa. And the rest is, is taken. But we need to take it back, you know. We need to take it back. Uh, we need to fight for freedom with our lives. And I'm doing that through... Uh, um, you know, from from the art angle, you know, as a filmmaker you know, Plato said if you have to choose between art and politics to govern a nation, he said that we choose art because art has a power to touch people's hearts and change their minds therefore how they think, how they live, how they behave and that's why this other the other side, that's what they're winning these battles because they control the media they control Hollywood, they control the university, universities, now they're in politics, they, they are, you know they control the banks around the world, so, well what do we have? What do we have? We have God who controls everything. So that's why it's so important. That's why Cabrini is so important because the message of Cabrini is let God be the center of your life. Then the rest, you will see what true freedom
0: is. Yeah, amen. And obviously, obviously, Sound of Freedom, I think, ex- ex- exceeded all expectations. The movie just blew up at the box office. Now you've got Cabrini coming out next, uh, early next month. We're changing the game. Changing know? the game. What, uh, w- you showed the movie here at CPAC. Yes. What, what was the
8: response? And pardon me if you had said before, but what was the response of the people here at CPAC here, that saw people it? People were crying. People, you know, I think the one, the one word that everyone is saying is hope. You know, this movie gave me so much hope because in this... It's very easy to lose hope, you know, when you see things. Uh, what you just said before, you know. I mean, all the craziness that is happening in the, in the woke, in the woke movement, in the with the globalists, with these um, perverts, because that's what that's who they are. They're a bunch of perverts trying to uh, corrupt, you know, uh, our children. You know, they're trying to sexualize your children, and they're trying to literally uh, remove God uh, from everything, and um, and people last night when they saw Cabrini, literally was people oh, having tears in their eyes repeating this word hope, hope, there is hope there is hope, there is hope so I hope this movie will bring so much hope to the people And but remember if we put our hope in God you will never lose hope it's, it's just a matter of time. We're, this is just battles. We won the victory. I mean, the victory is already won. It's just battles that we need to fight, you know? And, uh, and if we, we do the right thing and we fight them, we'll, we'll, we will win. Because the truth will set us free and, and the truth always wins. So we are in the side of the truth. You know, all we need to do is to live according to our principles and our values, you know? It's, it's simple, you know? Just do the right thing all the time. That's it. Do the right, do the right thing all the time, and things will be all right. Yeah. S- simple, not easy, but simple. Uh, it's not easy for you to try to do it yourself right. alone. Of course, you can't. But if you pray every day, that's what that's. This is so important, you know. It's just like eating every day. You know, you sleep. Every day. There are certain things that you do every day. You pray every day. You put God first. Then He will help you to do those simple things, which is do the right thing all the time.
0: Amen. I love what you're doing obviously it's not easy to do what you're doing arrows come your way when you start to fight against a system like this and oh, we've seen it all happening. we've seen it all through sound of freedom the way they try to turn the entire thing around but we need guys like you and your voices so thank you for what you're doing uh, Cabrini March
8: 8th I believe you March said 8th, coming out here in United States then uh, March 21st in Mexico and please pray for me because at the same time you know uh, I, I'm I'm trying to run for president of Mexico. Uh, elections is June second, 2024, and the, you know, it's 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 very difficult when you're fighting the cartels, you're fighting the uh, all the political parties who are narco governments, you know, and uh, and people are telling me, are you sure you want to do this, Eduardo? I mean, what are the chances? I mean, you're fighting with all these cartels and these narco cartels, and I call the cartels the uh, political parties in Mexico because that's what that's who they are. You know, we have seven political. Parties in Mexico, there's no opposition. They're the same. They're the same, you know? And uh, it's almost like in Mexico right now, what is happening? Imagine, like, if Kamala Harris becomes Republican yeah. and she is the uh, Republican candidate running against Hillary Clinton. You'll be like, what a, what a joke, right? I mean, Kamala Harris. So you mean Nikki
0: Haley in a sense then? Uh, y- yeah, but even much. worse,
8: because <laughs> over there is, like, literally, like, Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. Right? Like, okay. It's, it's not even like a trying to be settled. No, no. It's, they're in your face, right? right? Yeah. I mean, kind—I mean, she's in your face too, right? But uh, and that's what's happening. We don't have uh, Mexico is a Catholic country, Catholic country represented by or governed by anti-Christian government. So, but the majority of Mexican, we don't have representation uh, 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 in politics. So I'm trying to like—I'm uh, an outsider. I'm not a politician. I'm a filmmaker. And when I was raising the one million signatures that I that I needed to become an official candidate um, for the presidency of Mexico. They gave me 120 days, In those 120 days, they stole my signatures. They stole my signatures. We won. We made more than one million for sure, but they stole the signatures. They, The democracy of Mexico was in this app that doesn't work. I mean, it was really, we were trying to block us from every single angle, but we're fighting. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep keep fighting the system. You know, they will have to kill me to stop me and 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 i'm going to fight with my life because i love mexico i love my country but there is a lot of corruption with these government. we have a communist regime right now there is a lot of corruption there and we need to uh we need to fight for freedom you know and that's what i'm doing so please pray for me yeah
0: we will pray for you and thank you for what you're doing because we need guys like you in the fight not through just the film industry but what you're doing in mexico running for president so good luck with the presidency good luck with the film and thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here and god be with you
8: god bless you
1: thank you you're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is family.
0: Yeah. All right. Alec Lay Show here live at CPAC with Congresswoman Kat Kamak. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on The Alec Lay Show.
9: Yeah, absolutely. It's chaos in here.
0: It is. It is. So what is, you know, we're here at CPAC. What has your message been to the people at CPAC this year?
9: It's all about we the people getting involved and exerting your power. People don't realize how much power they have just as an everyday average citizen. And that's really the way that the system was designed to be. Where you can call up your representative and you can bless them out if need be. You can encourage them, you can support them. You can can change the course of history just by having a little bit of civic engagement. And so if we don't tap into that right now, our country will be lost because it's all predicated on people being involved and caring about the future of our country.
0: And talking about getting people involved, one of the themes here is getting people out to vote. We don't have enough voter turnout, and it's important. And this is going to be, whether we like it or not, I mean, this is going to be President Trump's last shot at this here. And we have got to get him over the hump and get him back into the White House because if we don't get him this time, we're looking at a a, a real disaster. I know Biden warned us that we were going to look at the pandemic of the unvaccinated, a cold winter of death. But if we don't get Trump in there, it feels kind of like that way.
9: Absolutely. I mean, and that's the thing is I remember, Remember, in the last election there was a big push to make sure that people didn't vote early and that they didn't vote by mail. We have to move away from that. We are getting killed in early voting and in absentee voting. We have worked really, really hard to make sure that states are going through tightening up and making sure that there's integrity in the system. And I think if we can really assure people that voting that by absentee or early is safe, they should do it because I can't tell you how many people I have run into who said, you know, I had a family emergency or I had to take care of my grandkids or there was a blizzard or something happened. The septic backed up. Who knows if we have people who don't show up on Election Day and we haven't done our due diligence and getting people out to vote early. We are absolutely screwing ourselves.
0: And we just saw that in New York. We just lost Santos' a seat, which, by the way, was yep. a debacle. I cannot oh. believe that we get rid of Santos. We don't get rid of uh, the, uh, the... Adam the, Schiff. The, the Adam Schiff, but I'm saying the Bowman, the uh, Jamal Bowman, the, oh God, the, the door fire, puller, the fire, fire and the extinguisher puller. puller. That's what I'm trying to we can't. <laughs> we don't put that guy up for exposure. We get rid of Santos. Now we lose that seat because yep. people didn't vote early. And yep. there's a major difference between being against early voting, being against a voter by uh, mail, and actually doing it because yeah. we, we like you said if we don't get people to take part in this we're going to be in a lot of trouble here.
9: Yeah, I mean and if we are going to be serious about taking our country back, you got to fight fire with fire. And that means when they're going and harvesting ballots, that's what we need to be doing. When people are having 45 days of early voting, we need to be encouraging our people to bank their votes early. And in New York, for example, like you said, we lost that race by 11,000 votes. Guess how many people voted early that were Democrats? 11,000. Oh, wow. This is going to be a make or break for us. And I'm telling you, if we, we continue down this path of telling people not to vote early, we do it at our own expense. And so we've got to get everyone out and really really show up in mass yeah
0: election integrity for one and then getting people to the ballot box number two and then switching gears here because one of the other themes i've been talking about is we we hear from the right to stay away from the abortion issue stay away from the pro-life issue because it's a losing issue in your mind is pro-life is that a losing issue for the republican party
9: no it's not a losing issue but i think it's how you talk about it so to be pro-life means you're pro-family and I think some people go a little too far in talking about how they want to control their definition of a family, and I think that's dangerous. That's where we start losing people. So I think, in particularly in this case where you see a lot of folks talking about IVF right now, I know so many women, so many families that have had fertility challenges, and they've turned to, to IVF as a solution, and they're wonderful families, wonderful parents we should not be attacking people who want to be good parents and have a strong nuclear family. We should be embracing that. But when we talk about being pro-life, it's not just in the womb. We need to support adoption. We need to support fostering. We need to support anti-human trafficking efforts. We need to be from the womb to the tomb, pro-life, all the way through. And I think it's a winning message because who can be against humanity?
0: I love that. I love that message, too, Congresswoman. And and, and me, I I think, in my opinion, that the family unit breaking down, the fatherless crisis, I think that is the number one social issue we have plaguing our country. Because unless we focus on building our family back, making the American family great again, I don't think you can make the country great again i think it has to begin in the home it has to start with the family
9: 100 percent. it all starts with us and to your point you can directly track single parent households not that they're all bad i'm the product of a single family uh, a single mother they're not all bad there are things that happen but if there are situations where we can actually prevent it where we can support that strong family and a two-parent household we should That is something that we continually reward in a negative way, and then we incentivize people to be single parents. It's the craziest system. Yeah. So we've got to get back to the basics because it all starts with the family. A strong family means that we have strong communities and strong communities mean that we have strong states and strong states mean we have a strong union.
0: And, and it's tied to every single every single statistic you look at yep. that's going in the wrong direction. is all tied to it. And I do get a lot of single moms that reach out to me to say, hey, uh, I had two young boys and I raised them and they're good kids. I, and it, So it's you're wrong. And I say, you know what? My grandfather smoked cigarettes so he was 86 years old, never had a health issue. Should we all promote smoking cigarettes? There's outliers to these issues and that's the case. It's not saying that if you're a single mom, your kid is destined for failure, but we are filling up the prison systems in this country with one particular type of character, and that's a young man that grew up with no father in the home.
9: That's 100% true, and you can actually track that in literacy rates, where we have now created a pipeline that is straight from the schoolhouse to the jailhouse, and in this country, you have about 32% of eighth graders that can read. That literacy rate is a key indicator, and you look at the dynamics in the home, nine times out of ten, it is a single parent or they're being raised by a grandparent, and if that child can't read by the eighth grade, it is a statistic that they will likely be incarcerated at some point in their life. We can break that cycle by supporting strong families, and it goes back to the message that being pro-life, being pro-family, it's a good thing, and it shows compassion, but we cannot say... With a broad brush, because this is something that really, really gets me, is this one-size-fits-all approach that government loves to have. Big government should not be pushing down this idea of what a family needs to look like right. and how you become a family. Yeah. That's why I'm really, really strong on the encompassing a full family. And, and speaking, of
0: what the family looks like. We have these AI images now that when you oh, no. google certain families yeah. all you're getting is the wrong idea like the founding fathers are now black Indian we're seeing all kinds of craziness with Did this You know
9: the pope is a woman? Yeah, an
0: Indian woman or something yeah. I think. I'm not sure but <laughs> now they just came out with an AI task force I believe right? Yes. And are you on the task force I'm on the is that task right? Force. I thought I was reading that quickly yeah. that I wanted to get So what is it going to be the focus here? Is it going to be on stuff like this? Crack it down on
9: that? 100%. So the big AI companies they would love nothing more than to regulate the crap out of this so that they could keep their petition down. And so what we're focused on is making sure that the language models that all the AI is based on is really from a philosophical standpoint of liberty and freedom. That has not been done. And that's evidenced in Microsoft's output with the, the nonsense of the pope is actually a woman and the 16th century king is actually black and uh, the crusaders that had dreads and I mean just ridiculous things. Um, if
0: that's the case, then they're the ones that owe reparations, I guess, right? I mean, if that's yeah. the case,
9: isn't that Yeah. Oh, man, don't even get me started on that one. But to that point, if we can actually get to the heart of the issue, which is really the philosophical language models, that's where we can have an open, liberty, freedom-minded AI system that isn't over-regulated, that doesn't hamper innovation, because AI is going to be involved in every aspect of our lives, whether we want to have it or not. And so it's really important that we as conservatives, we take that real strong approach of hey these language models they need to be one hundred percent liberty minded and they need to be sensitive to the constitutional freedoms that we have.
0: Yeah AI ain't going away. Alright let me let me get you out of here. I know time is tight. Uh, I've been asking people, obviously Trump's the main speaker here. Yeah. Everyone's speculating about the VP pick. He made a couple of name announcements maybe at the Fox News. What's your pick? What do you think he takes?
9: Ooh um honestly I could see a Ben Carson, okay? Um I could see a Tim Scott, but I think smart, a smart pick would be a Tulsi Gabbard. Oh,
0: okay. I like it. Uh, Congresswoman Kat Kimag, thank you so much. I love what you do. Thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time in the Alec Lay Show.
9: Appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. thank,
0: you. thank you. I appreciate You're
9: it. You're listening to the Alec
1: Lay Show. The future is family.
0: All right, Alec Lay's live here at the Alec Lay Show at CPAC with Newsmax's Carl Higby. Carl, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time.
10: Hey, appreciate you having me on
0: normally i interview you i have you on first class fatherhood i made a pivot in the summertime to the alec lay show where i now talk about political issues facing parents because when joe biden made the statement that we have to remember there's no such thing as somebody else's children these are all our children this this marxist ideology that the children belong to the state or they belong to the school system in my opinion they belong to parents as a blessing from god what's your take
10: i mean look (laughs) you want to pay their bills fine. You know what? That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to take the, 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 the ownership away from parents, and they're saying, because we've done that, because we've embraced single motherhood, we've, we've basically dis- disassembled the education system, we've taken everything away that parents have been responsible for, and they've tried to use that as an excuse to say that, no, 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 now your kids belong to us, not you. So at, at, with that entire mentality, they've changed an entire generation. The same thing with student loan debt. This is the student loan debt forgiveness for college kids is the exact same, let's call it like valmorphification or whatever weird word you want to use, to take that to the next level from almost cradle all the way to college now. And they're going to perpetuate this government reliance. It's really bad.
0: It's bad. And also, too, Carl, what they're doing is they're telling kids, they're teaching kids in school now about the transgenderism. I'm in the communist state of New Jersey, right? And so it's like there, the schools are allowed to change your kids' pronouns. They call them a different right. They don't have to tell the teachers. They're not required to even tell the, not the parents, the parents, I mean. They're not even required to tell the parents this stuff is going on. Yet, the kids are failing in math, failing in reading. The, the education
10: has dropped, but they're pumping these kids through all this stuff that's all nonsense. Yeah, it, it's insane. The fact is, look, my kids... Are are, are part of my family. They don't belong to the state. The state's not there at 2 in the morning when they wake up. The state's not there when they're sick. The state doesn't love them. The state doesn't want to have any interest in raising them to be productive members of society. The state just wants control. That's what this is about. It's about control. And if they can tear those kids away from the parents... I mean, you look, every single Stalinistic, Hitlerian, every type of those type of motions have always pushed for a separation of the children from the families because the government doesn't teach core values. The government cares about staying in power. So every time you see the rift between parents and children it's about instilling government values rather than family values which is the the notion of freedom.
0: And, and you know what, Carl, too, you come from a world, right, the SEAL teams, where you, you get where you're going based on your ability. That's right. where that's how it's done. Now, we're even seeing in the colleges, the Ivy League schools are taking away the dean's list yeah. because they don't want everyone, anybody to exceed or excel. Everyone gets basically a participation right. degree. Everyone's at the same level. Right. And we're seeing that at the universities, and we're also seeing it now in the military. Yeah. What, what's your take on this? Because we're seeing the woke this agenda come into the military now, and God forbid it starts affecting special forces, but it's already affecting the
10: regular military. Look, you know, all these... These people pretend to be woke, and you know the, the liberal ideology is is perfect and great and fun and fine until that first bullet starts flying, and that's the problem. Is yeah, I mean, look, you have a significant portion of the military who's never seen combat, and that's okay. They do fantastic work with logistical support and things like that, but. You know, you start pushing, the, the military's job is to kill bad guys, break their stuff, and supply the people on the front line who are doing it. That's what their job is. But when you start worrying about who's offended by what, it's like, we're in the business of killing bad guys. Who cares if someone's offended? Get over it. I mean, look, when I was a new guy, I l- ran my mouth a little bit too much, so they strung me up naked and shot me with gunpowder-propelled paintballs for an hour. You, was I offended? You, damn right I was offended. But you know what? I didn't smart off anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and that
0: used to be kind of the culture yeah. that we lived in, too, right? You, Mike Tyson said that one time, social media is just about a bunch of people. People that never get punched in the mouth for saying exactly. these things, and that's what's happened. And we see this culture now where people are just brazen to say these crazy things. But now, let's call it. What pisses me off is just what it's doing to the parents. And that's why, I, I, you know, I think that right now, more than ever, if we don't get Trump into office right here in
10: this election, I, th- I think we're headed for a catastrophic time period in America here if Trump doesn't win this. We're actually headed for catastrophe no matter what. And the reason I say that is because, you know, both. The, the, the Democratic Party has set this up, so no matter which side wins, there will be discontent and loss of faith in either side. Look, the, the, the liberal left thinks that they are so morally virtuous that nobody could possibly ever want to vote against their also benevolent policies in, in the most sarcastic way possible. But you have, you know, people like you and I who are sitting there watching this. We're watching the economy go down the tube. We're watching a, a massive foreign policy blunders. Watching. The, the rise of of these DAs and, and lawlessness across the country, what we're thinking to ourselves, like, how could anybody vote for this anymore? And, I mean, the polls say that less and less people are going to vote for it, but if Joe Biden, Joe Biden, I don't think he's going to be the nominee, but if he is the nominee and he does, God forbid, somehow, quote, quote, win this election, you're going to have a lot of people that feel that their votes just don't count anymore.
0: That's kind of how I feel, Call, And I think the two things that Trump faces is, number one, the voter integrity, right, the secure election. And number two, voter turnout. Can we get the people out there to vote? I think that's the two things we struggle in the most, no matter who runs against them.
10: Yeah. And, and look, to, to the thing is, you know, without relitigating 2020, like, can I walk into a courtroom and prove that? No. But you know what? Like, at the end of the day, you have, I mean, Bridgeport, Connecticut, in my own home state, a judge overturned an election because they're like, guys, this was... Totally whack. You got to do the whole thing over again. So, to say it doesn't exist is nonsense. However, you know, there is an element of this where the Republican Party is far behind on We don't send people to the polls. We don't have door to door voting efforts where we register people to vote. Democrats are 40 years ahead of us on that. The RNC is just now getting their act together. If we can do that, all we have to do is so let, I mean, look. All their policies absolutely suck. Every single one of their policies ends in disaster for whatever they try to regulate. Every one of our policies, let's not be total, but almost every one of the Republican policies are, they create prosperity, they get the government out of your life, out of your bedroom, out of your wallet, out of your kitchen. And it's still a 50-50 proposition? Like, how little do Republicans have to figure out? to make it a blowout, and we never need to worry yeah. about anything ever again. Yeah, uh, geez, oh, well said. And, and, and i got three minutes. I want to pivot
0: here to the border real quick because we've seen uh, Mayorkas get impeached, yeah. which should have been done a year ago, but finally they get him impeached. I think maybe a little too little too late. I don't know who's coming in from behind him. Uh, but now... It, we have so many people now, they've showed up in the neighborhoods. In New right. York, they're everywhere. They're in the schools, they're in the airports, right. they're in the bus stations. They're everywhere. We're flooded with them. Now, Mayor Eric Adams is going to give them $10,000 apiece on debit cards while you have veterans that are homeless living on the streets in, Ameri- in, yeah. in New York City. And it just seems like a smack in the face. And why would in, in the world anybody would vote these people back in? But what's your take on the border? Is it Even if we closed it right now, I think so much damage has been done. Millions of people have come here already. I mean, what's yeah. your
10: take on this? Well, the take is... You know, people who pay taxes, live by the rules, they're the ones suffering from this. I mean, people in New York have already said that we're we're leaving. It's it's a dump. I mean, I work in Manhattan every day. I'm stepping over homeless people. I see the illegals everywhere. It's not, like, they stopped catering to people who support the system and started catering to people who hate the system. And the bigger problem with this is you're seeing an entire generation grow up that thinks that this is the way things are done, and it's really a problem. If you're going to fix the nation, and also security. I was talking to Ken Paxton earlier about uh, about a bunch of these issues. And he's like, yeah, sure. For you know, $10, $12 million, they were able to secure a 30-mile area of border. They took crossings from 3,000 down to 2. So it's, don't tell me you can't right. do it. It's just the, the will. They could button up the entire Texas southern border for a little over $300 million in the same fashion that they did. But they won't let them do it because they want to send money to Ukraine. They want to send money to everywhere else here, And then they want to give them a bunch of money when they cross illegally.
0: And we know that's the political part of this. They have the package that's the border bill. But, oh, by the way, in this bill, we're going to give $60 billion to Ukraine. So then if you vote no for it, oh, look, Republicans don't want to close the border. And that's right. how they do this. And it seems like that's – but is it isn't Republicans too part of the problem here? Aren't there some of these rhinos that are in there that are a major part of the problem? And if, until we get rid of them, we can't really accomplish
10: anything? It's the problem. You have so many congressmen and senators and elected officials that I'm calling for – just stop calling for it. Just do it. Just do it. And I'm so sick and tired of, like, perfection is always the enemy of success for the Republican Party. They, every time, I mean, look, we passed H.R. 2 in the House as Republicans, and it, it's, it was like the gold standard in borders. So, you know, I mean, Chuck Schumer won't even take it up in the Senate. But the problem is, is they're out there talking all this smack about how Republicans are horrible because they won't pass $18 million for our border in a, in conjunction with $100 million that goes to a bunch of other countries, a bunch of other countries, border security, by the way, $60 billion for Ukraine, but $18 million to our border, I, I'm sorry. Republicans need to get on the horn, and they need to be active in the media, just as active as Democrats, to say, we passed this. This is what's in HR2. We tried it, and you guys aren't the ones taking it up.
0: Yeah, they start start having that kind of like... we take-no-prisoner's attitude is what we need to see. All right, last thing real quick. Yeah. Who does Trump pick VP? What's your, what's your
10: take on it? Um, I'm staying out of this one for now.
0: Staying out of it for now. Okay. Now. All right, listen, Carl Higby Show, I love what you're doing on Newsmax, 5 p.m., weeknights. I'd love to see you there. Thanks for giving me a community to see your time on the Alec Lay Show.
1: Thanks. You're listening to the Alec Lay Show. The future is family.
10: All right,
0: Alec Lay's here live at CPAC with former Green Beret John Frankman. Uh, thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time in The Al Lays Show.
7: Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it, Alec.
0: All right, so this, you're here at CPAC. What's the message that you're giving to the people here at CPAC?
7: So right now, the message I'm giving is that the next administration, they need to hold military leaders accountable for what happened during COVID. COVID-19 mitigation policies were the biggest infringement upon our personal liberties. And it was especially a, a, a big infringement upon the military. And we're not gonna restore the military until we have accountability. Furthermore, we're not gonna, if we don't learn from our lessons, We're going to continue to lose more and more liberty. So even though I'm focusing on the military, it's also something that's going to affect the rest of society.
0: Yeah, we saw with the military that you had guys that wouldn't want to get the COVID shot and that were forced to exit the military. Those guys now, they're saying, oh, uh, come on back because the military recruitment is so low. I think it's at the lowest point since Vietnam, if I've read that right. Uh, and it seems like more and more of these military, uh, whether it be, I think everybody but the Marines is becoming more and more woke, and the woke your, uh, culture has just infiltrated the military as well.
7: Absolutely. When I got to 7 Special Forces Group of all places, my rear acting uh, battalion commander was a transgender major. I mean, it's just amazing that you have a Green Beret who is suffering from this mental illness. However, yeah, we're hurting on recruiting, but we wonder why. We kicked out 8,500 service members on active duty for refusing the shot. A lot of them, such as myself, weren't kicked out but whose careers were screwed over. We decided to leave. Now we're having retention issues, recruiting issues, and it's not a good time when we have Russia, China, Iran, every other problem happening. basically an invasion within our border. So not a time to mess around.
0: And while that was happening with the COVID, I had a a former Navy SEAL uh, Rob O'Neill on the show and he was saying, according to him, the SEALs were leaving in droves because of this whole thing over the being forced to take the vaccine. And so now also, too, you had a former Navy SEAL. I did an interview with uh, Chris Beck, who became Kristen Beck, transitioned into a girl and then transitioned back. And now is a big proponent of speaking out against this stuff because it's all, it's infiltrated the schools and our kids. And that's I think where most people like if you're an adult you want to change your sex your gender whatever you want to do okay but when you start doing this to children when you start using puberty blockers on children to start changing uh, altering who they're supposed to be this mental illness has gone from from just uh it's another level because it's now it's not only just you you're affecting it's the life of another child.
7: So I think it actually affects you if you have it as an adult. So I'm more of a, a social conservative as well. And I just think that our bodies were made in a certain way. And just like you wouldn't, wouldn't put sand into the gas tank of a car because the car wouldn't function, there's certain things that we have within our nature that it functions in a certain way. So if you go against that nature, it's going to hurt your life.
0: Yeah, okay. So now here's the issue now, moving forward. Like you said, we have these threats from everything, from uh, right now where we have war and conflict in the Middle East, we see the conflict with the Ukraine war, and we're just the whole region seems to be upset all across the pond here. And right now you have our open border where people are just flooding in. We have no idea where these people are coming from. And if you're one of these enemies of the United States, wouldn't it be a Uh, like a prime time right now to exploit this hole down at the border and bring in whoever you wanted to? I mean, what would stop all these people like China, Iran from sending in people that they want to do us harm?
7: There's absolutely nothing to stop them. This would be the perfect time. And we're also strengthening the cartels because the border might not be secure on our side. But believe you me, the cartels on their side, they're going to try to find a way to finance this. And they are by making people pay to come through by trying to exploit child sex trafficking and other problems. So And, you know, I think that we might not see the problem right now under Biden and it might be a lot more opportune to then have some insider attacks, threats going after key infrastructure if Trump comes in. I mean, I can't imagine the kind of riots we're going to have given the BLM riots we had, uh, what, during George Floyd. Yeah. And
0: and you know what? Right now, if you're one of these guys, you're watching the clock and saying, we got till November, we got to get in there because if Trump wins this thing, They're going to shut this down and we're out. So right now they're in a mad rush to get over here as they can. And we see what happened just a couple of months ago in Ecuador with these cartels. These guys were were murdering people on on live TV. They were live streaming these murders. These are barbaric people. These are the guys Trump has been warning us about that are coming across the border. But instead of saying, yeah, you know what, he's right, they're calling him a racist for it. Look at what these cartel guys are capable of, and now they're in your neighborhoods.
7: It's absolutely crazy, and if the people have the the kind of energy to come here, to walk up here, it would be better for them to go to their countries and try to fix the solution. You know, you have to take care of the problem at home. We need to take care of our problems at home, and right now we're, we're... $34 $34 trillion in debt. I think that means that each of us owes over $100,000. I don't know about you. I don't want to pay $100,000. I don't think I can pay $100,000. But that's going to come down to crashing and burning. So we can't be trying to support a lot of other people within our welfare state. But, hey, it's all intentional. It's Biden's plan to maintain power and destroy the country.
0: And I'll ask you this too, John, because I have, three, I have four kids, three teenage boys that are all going to be military age during the next four-year cycle of president. And so it scares me as a parent to think my kids could get sucked into fighting in Ukraine or fighting against Russia, fighting in the Middle East with Israel and Palestine. It scares me as a parent to think this could happen. And Right now, I would never want my kids, even though I, I, always, I'm, I, I always have the most respect for guys like yourself that serve, I would never want my kids to do it right now mm-hmm. under this administration. You, being a former military guy, Green Beret, served at the highest levels, what's your take or what's your advice to parents right now who have kids that are interested in the military, what would you say to those parents?
7: So, I would say that ultimately they need to do what is best for their manner of serving God. And it might we're not going to avoid this conflict and we can't let the military be another three-letter agency that's co-opted by the left. So, if your son or daughter or sorry, if your son is interested in serving in the military and wants to do that, he should strongly consider it, but he needs to be aware of the things that he's going to face. He's going to face the DEI nonsense. He might face another kind of vax mandate. Now, if there's something that's immoral, goes against your values, if the vax mandate were around now, I would tell no one to to join because those vaccines, they're made from aborted fetal cells. That's cooperating with the murder of the unborn, the continued theft of, its, of uh, their body parts. So I would tell the, the kids to be, be weary. Go in if you think that's the way, way that you can serve God, serve country. However, you're going to encounter a lot more difficulties. But hey, that's the kind of nature of society we're in. There's nowhere that we're going to be able to run and not find this kind of communist, socialist, globalist nonsense that's trying to take over our country.
0: Yeah, well said. And you know what? And that's just it. I think that if they've done it once, they could certainly do it again. So there's nothing to say that this isn't going to be another thing five years from now that they're going to have another vaccine that they mandate that they force people out of the military. And, you know, for guys like me, for you, I never got vaccinated. And now, the people who were telling me that I was a grandma killer, right? And they would, they would, they called me like the scum of the earth for for months. I was tortured like this, like everybody else was. There's never been an apology. There's never anybody say, hey, you know what? I acted like a lunatic during COVID. I'm sorry that I did that. They have amnesia, as if, oh no, I wasn't out of my mind during COVID nineteen. There's never been an apology.
7: Absolutely, and that's why we need to get this accountability. So the website we have is military dot com. We had two hundred thirty-one of us sign a letter, send it to the general saying we're gonna hold you guys accountable. We're gonna hold you accountable for breaking the law, violating religious rights, vaxx injuring people. And unless we get accountability, not just in the military but within big pharma. We're going to continue to go down this road, so I'll tell people right now, we all know we're behind Trump, he's the candidate, but we need to also make sure that he knows the powers he has. And with regards to the military, he can choose certain service secretaries, certain people who can bring these generals who violated our conscience rights onto active duty, so off of retirement, onto active duty to subject them to court-martial. And that's something that needs to happen. If we don't have accountability, we're not going to have restitution.
0: hundred percent. Yeah, we need accountability. And also, too, uh, Trump, this time around, I think he's going to be a lot more cautious about who he selects for what position, because I've been saying, if anything, I think he would even admit he brought in some bad apples, and, and they ended up turning on him. And now we see it. We see who these people are when they came out of the administration. Uh, some of them now uh, throwing shade at him online, but some of them even, like his former press secretary, always say, Stefan, Stephan, Stephan, Stephan Grisham came out and said I never even voted for this guy yet you were his press secretary so hopefully his vetting process is a lot tighter this time around
7: absolutely and you know no one's perfect but we give him grace and he was the best president of our lifetime I mean that's something amazing and the kind of trouble I can't imagine the kind of pressure or difficulties he was going on so we need to get behind him support him and try to advise him the best way we can. We need people of goodwill. I'm happy about what Project 2025 is doing. So trying to get ready and just get out there and vote. And before the general election, get out there and go vote for the primaries. We have a number of candidates who signed this Declaration of Military Accountability. Folks like Cam Hamilton, Matt Shoemaker, Mara Macy, Jay Furman. So look up those guys on Declaration of Military Accountability. Get out there, support them, vote for them in the primary. I mean, what, we have a Republican majority right now what is that doing for us right because we got a bunch of rhinos in there so get out there get active in the primary whatever you're doing now you need to do more because it's game time or else we're gonna lose this country
0: yeah well said John Frankman thank you so much for your service and thanks for giving me a few minutes to see your time in the Alec
7: Lay Show thanks for having me Alec appreciate it you're listening to the Alec Lay Show the
1: future is family
0: All right. Alec Lace live here at CPAC with Eduardo Bolsonaro. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time. Thank you, Alex. Honored to be here with you. Well, you're here at CPAC here. What's been your message? What's your message you're bringing here to CPAC?
11: I want to bring some light about the persecution against conservatives that are happening now in Brazil, not only against my family, but as you are looking here in the U.S. as well, in Brazil, we are suffering with that. It's a judiciary dictatorship coming from the Supreme Court. So I would like to bring it here tomorrow, in the stage of CPAC, some of the details, because only to have an idea. My father, he's under investigation, because there is a video of him getting close of a whale, and the Minister of Environmental is suing my father because of that, because in Brazil, there is a crime that you cannot disturb the whale two to five years in jail because of that. But if you see there are companies in Brazil that get tourists, bring them to the sea to watch the whales. So this is the kind of things that are happening in Brazil. It
0: sounds like what's happening to your father in Brazil is similar to what we're seeing happening to Donald Trump here in America. Sure. Is that fair to say?
11: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually say also that it's the same virus that are happening in Brazil and in the United States. The difference is that in Brazil it has less anti antibody antibodies, because the Supreme Court is fully dominated by the left, and they had no shame anymore. They don't care about the Constitution or the law. They go after you. They fret you. For example, my brother Carlos, he received the FBI at his house. They got his cell phone. They arrested some of the security guys of my father. They arrested the Jared Kushner of my father, his former uh, advisor for uh, foreign affairs. And some people are saying that the next step is going to be arrest my father. So on Sunday, we will have a big protest on the streets of Sao Paulo. We're expecting to have there one million people and where my father will have a place to talk very loud about what is going on in Brazil, and we expect that this message go all the world. Wow,
0: wow that's going to be a real powerful thing in event. Now let me switch gears here for a second, one of my friends is Henzo Gracie, he's a big supporter oh, of your father, great and friend. he was here last year at CPAC, and now one of the things that we see here in America now, I don't know how it is in Brazil, but we're seeing this transgender stuff where we have men competing against girls in sports, okay? We're seeing that here, and as a father of a little girl, the last thing I want to see is a man in the bathroom with my daughter, or a man on her sports team. So, what's your take on
11: what you're seeing here and has that affected Brazil at all? Yeah, yeah. It's more common here in Brazil, transsexuals going to the school, but this is starting also in Brazil. It's coming also, it's very strong the debate about uh, this man, biological man, using the female bathroom. I'm also father of a daughter. She's three years old. And uh, I would never let this happen. Like, even necessary to use a force to stop that. I will not see like a man looking looking my, my my daughter and do nothing. Like, this is really extreme. So what we are fighting is to get back the normality. <laughs> it's just weird that how they are, they don't feel the shame to do that. And they really want to destroy the family. I never imagined myself that one day I will be elected in Brazil to defend the family and to defend this kind of, of, of issue. But it's also happening in Brazil. Usually these ideas born here in US and they use Latin America as lab. You know, very
0: well said. And one of the things that I do focus on, now, I host a show all about fatherhood called First Class Fatherhood. This one I'm focusing on political issues affecting parents. And it's isn't it crazy that we even have to have this kind of conversation? It's kind of wild that yes. we're even talking about this out loud. And here, here in America, one of the things that's destroying this country is the fatherless crisis, where we have so many families, so many young men and women that are growing up without a father, without a father figure in their life. And that, to me, is the number one social issue we face. We've taken the father out of the home, the heavenly father out of society, and we've taken law off the streets. And those are the things that are killing our country right now.
11: Yeah, For sure. You have even studies going on relating that uh, how criminals grow up in families destroyed with no father or with no mother. This is also a consequence of this culture that is always looking for the pleasures. Like have sex with everybody is the main target of my life, you know, this kind of things. Because in the end of the day, what happened is you are having a lot of single mothers like uh, that's okay. They will love their child, char- the children. But it's way better. Ask for a single mother if she wouldn't like to have someone to help her. I have two kids. like one boy of five months years old and a girl of three years old. And uh, for sure, it's a hard working to take care about everybody. And uh, imagine that without without a parent, without a father. So I think the family. When you have the family, the mother, the father, and the children. This is the perfect uh, 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 institution to grow up in a good society. I mean, we have to stop this culture and get back what is doing uh, good in our society. Yeah, we have to
0: make the family great again, and we have the government yes, now that has stepped in and has tried to control the family, and that's one of the things that we're seeing. is more and more government where the gov- they feel like children belong to the state, the children belong it's to the crazy. school system.
11: The other day I listened to a guy, in, the- in Brazil, a congressman like me in a committee saying that. And actually, he was copying Joe Biden. Joe Biden told something like that.
0: That's why I launched this show. The week after he said that, I said, wait a minute. I've been trying to stay out of the politics.
11: I said, I can't. This is the president of the United States. I always said to me, I will never jump into politics because my father was a politician. Actually, he is. Right. And I mean, public and private, everything makes it. You go to a beach or to a restaurant, people stop you and bring to you some problems. And I said, man, I would never do that. I'm going to, I don't know, be a lawyer or work in that private company. But at the end of the day I realized that, wait a minute. I have a Bolsonaro, very strong last name in Brazil. I can try to run and help my father to fix this kind of thing. So that's why I jumped into politics. And some people like you, Alec, more and more they are realized because what are we conservatives? What do you want is to have Christmas together with the family, to work have a car maybe do a trip to the beach in the end of the day during spring break. but the left they survive with public money from the tax pay- from the taxpayers to do these attacks against the family. this is crazy, this is crazy. And that's why so many people now, I, and
0: in my opinion, the parents are the underdog in this country. And they're the ones that are going to step up and they're going to make the change right now in this election coming up. Because even guys that are or even left, left-leaning left or Democrat, that, that old John Kennedy type of Democrat, they don't like seeing this either. They don't want men in the bathroom with their daughters. So they're going to come out. Maybe they won't say it out loud. But when they get in that ballot box, I think they're going to say, you know what, I'm
11: doing what's right for my children. And they're going to pull that thing for Trump. That's what I think. Sure, yes. In Brazil, we are also looking that uh, you have a sharing inside of the left. You have the old-school left-wings that are much more looking for workers' right and this kind of thing. And you have a a progressive uh, 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 part for the LGBT cause and all of that. And they are fighting internally, but they are fighting. Because they are very well organized. They don't let it come up and show to everybody that they are fighting. But make sure that they are fighting. Because even some people on the left, they don't want that for their children.
0: Yeah, well said. Let me get a quick bite, because I know i got to get you out of here. Tell me about your father. What are the top values that your father instilled in you growing
11: up? Again, sorry? Tell me the top values that your father instilled in you growing up. He usually says that God, family, and Patreon, our nation. I think this is the three uh, flags that we most support in Brazil, for sure. First, God. We are Christians. We don't have shame to say that. And we do not let someone tell you that you cannot say that. And the second one is our family, because this is why I think we are going we are going to win this battle, this war, because we are fighting for our freedom, our family, and on the other side, what they're fight, fighting for. So the motto of the soldiers is what's make him go forward. And uh, in the end, Brazil first, just like Trump say, United States first. And if I see a leader from other country telling that his country is not coming first than the mine, I see. This is a weak, a cohort leader. Hey, we are seeing, I know he'll be here,
0: I believe, tomorrow, uh, Javier Millet from down yeah. in uh, uh, down in Argentina. He's put Argentina first, and the people seem to respond to it. So, like you say, America first, Brazil first, Argentina first. That's the type
11: of language we need. Yeah, yeah. We want to go back to normal time. Uh, Malay is a great guy. He is doing his own homework in Argentina. The left is screaming, is protesting, trying to block the cities. So he's uh, even doing some uh, some laws to prevent people to occupy and block the streets. So he's doing a great job, and he's in the right in the right direction. After 12 years, for the first time, Argentina now, we say in Brazil. They are they are uh, positive in their in their debits. After 12 years, for the first time, Argentina got a month positive when you talk about the public money that they have.
0: Well, I know I got to get you out of here. I'm glad thank you're me. in the fight, Eduardo Bolsonaro. Thank you, vale. uh, <laughs> thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time on the Alcalá Show. Thank you. Thank All you. the best. All God right. bless you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed these interviews today. Uh, I think one of the most important ones is that last one that I did there with Eduardo Bolsonaro and his, uh, the president of Brazil's son, because it shows. What's happening here in America is happening all over the world. We're seeing it in Brazil. We know we're seeing it in Argentina. Javier Mille is here today. Uh, he is one of the speakers as well. We know what he's done down there for Argentina. So it was an honor to have... Uh, the Brazilian president's son, joined me here on the podcast as well. Uh, so I am going to conduct other interviews while I'm here at CPAC. So whatever else I get, whatever content that I can uh, scoop up here from CPAC, I will put it into Tuesday's episode. Don't forget, Tuesday I have Robbie Starbuck joining me on the Al Show. I'll be back in Jersey in the closet studio uh, with you guys. And a big thank you to my son, Logan, who's here with me. Get over here, Logan, real quick. Uh, he's been the, uh, the guy helping me out with all of my stuff, doing the interviews here. Let's get him in here. Get, get in the seat there, Loak. Let's have him on here. He was the third string. How did you end up with third string, Loak? Because both my brothers didn't get on. That's right. My oldest son was going to make the trek down the CPAC. He got pulled for something with school. Uh, my little guy was going to do it, Aiden, but he had pulled because he's serving mass with the bishop. So third string. Yep. Let's go Raiders. He's been rocking the Raiders hat here. He's got. Uh, you get. You get more yays or nays with the Raider hat? Yays.
2: More yays. Minnesota fan though. Trump's Congresswoman.
0: Oh, right, yeah, okay. So he's gotten uh, more yays than nays. Should have had you out in Vegas with the Super Bowl maybe next year. Once you get old enough, we can get you out there. But uh, Logan joined me here. That's all I have for you guys right now, live from CPAC down here in Washington, D.C. I will be back on Rumble. Don't forget, follow the channel here on Rumble. I did my best to bring you as many interviews as I could. Whatever interviews I get and scoop up today for the rest of the day, I'm going to include them into Tuesday's podcast. So get down there, follow the channel, leave a like, comment if you can, and I will catch you guys next week on The Alec Lace Show. Have a good weekend.
1: You're listening to The Alec Lace Show.
7: Alec Lace has interviewed more than 700 dads on his award-winning podcast, First Class Fatherhood. Dads from all walks of life, including Tom Brady, Deion Sanders, Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, Tony Hawk, Eric Trump, and so many more. Find out why First Class Fatherhood has been number one on the iTunes charts. Who these men are as fathers and how they raise their children is far more important than anything they accomplish in their careers. Alec Lace encourages his high-profile guests to share their fatherhood journeys and offer advice to new and soon-to-be dads. Let every father in your contact list know about First Class Fatherhood, available wherever you get your podcasts. Every day is Father's Day on First Class Fatherhood.
1: You're listening to The Alec Lace Show. The future is... Family.